was a highwayman Along the coach roads I did ride With sword and pistol by my side Many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The bastards hung me in the spring of 25 But I am still alive I was a sailor I was born upon the tide With the sea I did abide I sailed a schooner around the Horn of Mexico I went aloft to furl the mainsail in a blow And when the yards broke off they said that I got killed But I'm living still I was a dam builder Across the river deep and wide Where steel and water did collide A place called Boulder on the wild Colorado I slipped and fell into the wet concrete below They buried me in that great tomb that knows no sound But I'm still around I'll always be around Around and around and around I fly a starship Across the universe divide And when I reach the other side I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can Perhaps I may become a highwayman again Or I may simply be a single drop of rain But I will remain And I'll be back again and again and again My grandmother was actually a, a cafeteria lady. Oh, no. um, and uh, there was a couple times where, where we would get, uh, I got fed square pizza at her house because they would, you know, they would take home the spare stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, that sounds like a real perk to me. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm, as much as like, I kind of like rankle at all those institutions. I guess I just have very um, low standards when it comes to food. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sweet, we're eating cool. <laughs> well, what's what's funny is that the, the two best meals that were like public school meals were a the rectangular uh, pizza, and then they also had rectangular tacos. Do you remember those? I didn't have the rectangular tacos. Yeah, I mean, it was basically the same shape as the fucking pizza. It was like it was like a taco shell that was a, re- a rectangle, and it was filled with like meat and cheese and stuff. It was the strangest thing. Something about <laughs> is profoundly sad to me for some reason. <laughs> Something well, about it was, that is wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it's designed specifically to fit into the trays. Like, the trays oh, yeah. have, like, the, the, big, the big meal space, you know? Like, so this is where we can talk about how school food and jail food are the same, like, actually the same. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. That makes perfect sense because it's just the bare minimum you need to sustain, like, a pulse. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Did you, whoa, did you have that, what the hell did they call it? It had, like, a name that is, like, protein loaf or something that they would, um, I remember reading about it on, like, some. That sounds like what they eat in the Matrix, <laughs> like, when you get woken <laughs> up. <laughs> It's What's just that some... shit? Where... <laughs> Jail is secretly just closer to getting you out of the matrix. That's what you do. Sick like, man, you know. In, in a way, it kind of brought me out of the matrix. <laughs> yeah, I don't have. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was just trailing off. Sorry. You're good. I demand I demand at least uh, three or four profundities a minute, Rev. I don't know. I'm disappointed. What's well, a real issue? I, I feel like uh, <laughs> like that's part of why it was like thinking about doing a podcast forever. And then it was like, wait, what's actually stopping me? Oh, I don't want to put that pressure on myself to sound smart all the time. So I just let's not. <laughs> I think it it it's better when I, in my own experience like it's better when I don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. For sure. I I think I don't think you should think too hard about any of it. It's better to just have it feel like a natural conversation versus Which is good cuz I don't sound smart. <laughs> 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 No, but you are smart. That's the that's the trick. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think when people that you don't think are smart end up having dropping some fucking wisdom bombs on your ass, it's like it hits a little harder. I think there's something about that. Like people that I thought were dumb in the past have been like mind blowingly intelligent with emotional stuff, and and it really fucking corrected my judgments and stuff when I was in my like early twenties. Yeah, yeah I the think there's something time, to be said for that. At the same time, sometimes people that have the most like, you know, verbose, verbose vocabularies, sometimes they're just fucking idiots, and they just they can just expound endlessly on a on something that's actually meaningless or empty. <laughs> I've seen a lot of that over the last two years. Um, <laughs> people that I thought were smart being real dumb. Mm-hmm. I, I almost uh, I almost take too many syllables as a sign that someone's full of shit nowadays. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm fucked. I like I like sounding smart. It's my problem. No, but you, yeah, but you're always relaxed. It's it's like there's not like a there's not that like I'm gonna say it like I'm a fucking professor. Um, I mean, if you like. If you are a professor, like I'm gonna listen and be happy that you're talking to me like a professor. But I feel like there's a lot of people that that like to sound like they're 
really like they're really really like they're, uh, like they're the like they're uh, uh they're an edwardian suitor constantly like they're just <laughs> <laughs> jacobian what was that I yeah, well, I still don't know what that means. I wanted to. You, I, I needed you to tell me that book because I really want to fucking look that up. So I'm like, what does that mean? It's the Worm Ouroboros. That's Have you it. heard of this book, Rev? What, what 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 book? The Worm Ouroboros. It's like a. I don't know exactly when it was written. I'm imagining like the early 20th century, but I could be wrong. But it's like. A lot of fantasy authors list it as like an inspiration, but I tried to read it a while back and I just like couldn't understand what the fuck was going on. And and I was I was telling um actually let's let, do you care if I call you yeah, you go you go by Tim on your podcast. You can call me Tim, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um uh I was telling Tim that it reminds me of he was talking about this book. And it reminds me of Gene Wolfe, Rev. Like what I was talking about with Gene Wolfe, how it's just this like impenetrable. There's like some sort of like like imaginal film over it that just bounces me out of it. <laughs> and that's like when I tried to do DMT. I kicked you out. It was like, dude, no. I didn't even get. Yeah, man. It was like, like later on, I was like, yeah, cosmic bouncers were keeping me out, but I didn't know that at the time. I was just like toking this stuff. And my buddy was just looking at me like with these googly eyes, like, how the fuck are you not in space? And I was just like, no, the answer the, uh... was meth. <laughs> it was uh, it was our condoms again. Right. The our condoms. <laughs> Which is probably meth. How that but Okay, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't hear you guys. And I was like, well, I guess the like 30 meters of extension cords getting knocked loose was the problem. Oh, what'd you miss? When it, what was the last thing you heard? Well, well I, te- I, I technically heard it all. I was just okay. distracted. Boom. Okay, cool. How do I sound? You sound sound good. Yeah. I mean, not that you didn't sound good before. There's two of you on my meeting, by the way. I don't know if that. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh... normal. That's normal. (laughs) Let me um, let me describe my setup. Uh, In the living room of our house, we have uh, my wife's computer, which is also our television, Um, which is also where I use the Zoom because. My phone will die partway through the conversation. So I run extension cords through a, an interface uh, to the mic and the headphones in my office, which is a very long way from the living room. And then I set the phone on the desk and sign in as a guest. And <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb. Hell yeah. I, it, if it works, right? It's convoluted, but it, it does work for now. Um, welcome to Soapbox. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. <laughs> We're here with Tim, Tim Saylor and uh, Kurt Huggins, and Kurt is laughing. 
Yeah, because uh, I thanks for having me on as well. It's uh, it's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> so night riders, huh? You fucking live here. You live here, Kurt. I'm not. I'm not setting out any fancy shit. That's for the guest. Yeah, uh, night rider. How did you? How did you hear about this movie? This movie is so bizarre. I it, watch it. And I'm like, how does how does how does this exist? I've never been so bored watching something that looked so fun to make. Does that make sense? Yes, 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 it does. I may have liked this more than you guys. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I actually think uh, it would be fun to start with Tim since we know he didn't like it very much. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't want any of our positive vibes to uh, fuck you up, you know? Oh, no, we're good. I'm just going to enjoy just like tearing this movie to shreds if I can. So, okay, so. Do you want me to describe what, like, <laughs> how do you usually do this? Am I telling but, the plot? No, we fuck the plot. We, we started doing well, that. I mean, I was going like, to say, yeah, because that would be almost an in, that, a, that would a grail question in and of itself. It's not doable because there isn't one. Well, yeah, it's kind of like if, if, you're, if you're listening to the episode, you've either watched it or you don't care about the plot. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I called this subplot the movie. <laughs> I believe it's about itinerant LARPers. But I don't like, okay, so there's a lot of like ideological kerfuffery. Is that a word? <laughs> but I now. don't really know what, like Ed Harris is always kind of like standing up for something, but I don't really know what it is. <laughs> I think right? it's, I think he's I think he's standing up for being just a fucking degenerate, like, yeah, a a, a, a complete like disassociative degenerate who thinks he's King Arthur. I think he's just his name like, isn't even Arthur. He no, he, even like no one actually uses the proper <laughs> like nomenclature. His name's his name's King Billy or whatever. Right? <laughs> 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 the most unkingly name that's ever been ever been named. Um, yeah, I, oh, del- he's just he's he's like I I have this delusion, and I've convinced a hundred people to go <laughs> along with my delusion. <laughs> and there's a code of honor to my delusion that you must you must adhere to. Um, and God damn it, I fucking admire him for it. <laughs> what is the code? The code what is the code. The code it's, is it's I'm don't pay fucking... taxes. Okay, because <laughs> I can get behind that. It seemed like there was some anarchist current going, right? I'm like, pretty so. sure. Right. Well, I, th- yeah. I think what happened was okay. Well, I have a lot of feelings, but I don't want to. I don't want to get going now. I, I want. I want. I want Tim to. I want. Tim yeah, to keep going. Us. Okay, so this movie opens with self-flagellation and tits. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. So Seems maybe promising. like right. I was like, you know, because I said in the in our chat, you know, this movie already fucks. <laughs> I did enjoy um, I actually did write notes. Um <laughs> yes. I think I enjoyed the most the parts that I enjoyed about this the most were obviously like the Mad Max style motorcycle jousting scenes. Like those stunts were really cool. The costume design was great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the fryer tuck scenes, the pizza scene. <laughs> uh, most notably, that was great. Um, yeah, so that was my thing, right? It's like I, I was trying to grasp around for like, like I feel like the movie wanted to have something to say, but it didn't. Like it danced around it most of the time. Yeah, yeah I kind, I kind of almost had this feeling like, like Romero wrote the basic story to this when he was like a teenager. Yeah. Or something and and like held it very close and very dear and it's like one of those things that when the time comes like you believe in it so bad that you can't see it from the outside or something like that i could see that and i did enjoy the um the lawyer from jurassic park playing the same role and even i think saying some of the same lines weirdly <laughs> oh that guy is in jurassic park that's the lawyer from jurassic park that's mr Gennaro. That's yeah. I was trying to figure out. I was like, he's a lawyer. He's a fucking lawyer. He's he's not an agent. He's a he, lawyer. What's he a lawyer in? He, oh, he that says, guy. That guy. He even that says guy, in this okay. movie, if the investors are happy, I'm happy. Which I want to <laughs> say he says in Jurassic Park. <laughs> so maybe that's like a, a slick nod. I don't know. Maybe he was in a car accident, and that's the only thing he knows how to say anymore. So they, <laughs> they like just stuck him in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Maybe he was in a in a motorcycle accident in this movie. <laughs> no, just on his own time. Uh, but he did. He was wearing armor. Yes, he was inspired. Tom Savini's armor was cool. Dude, I think Savini. this is a movie just about Tom Savini being awesome, being yeah, awesome, yeah, being cool. Yeah, yeah he was, <laughs> I feel like he could have fought the Fonz and won. Right. He was dope. I enjoyed his character, but I, yeah, I didn't get the prophecy. There was just, a, it seemed like a lot of threads that were just kind of waving in the wind. And there are movies where I enjoy that. And then there are movies where I'm just like, well, okay. <laughs> well, this, this is a very like 70s movie. Like it came out in 1981. Just... Yeah, what? Well, it's definitely got the heart of the '70s in it, where it's just yeah. I would it's say got maybe this, that's still the '70s, kind of in a way, right? Yeah, it's got. It still has. It has the bummer ending, like the main character. Spoiler alert: the main character gets fucking killed at the end, and I, I sort of saw that coming from the fucking beginning. Um, and Why, because you saw Easy Rider. I was gonna yes. say I would just watch <laughs> yeah. Easy Rider if I was gonna watch this movie. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, so we're trash talking a lot, but I have to say that I was truly touched by this movie. Like before we, we Me get too. too much negative, Me negative too. shit out there, I, like I, because it, you could tell that it was a work of a labor of love beyond anything else. Like you could tell it was just like a, I don't give a fuck. Like this is this is how it's happening. Um, like it felt like it was his Citizen Kane slash Easy Rider. <laughs> it's a movie that I wish was like i wish this was real like i wish this actually happened like and it the fact that they made it means it did because you know that this was just like the life they lived while they were making this movie it yeah, had to be yeah yeah i even wondered if like was because like you know if he's in if he's into zombie films and stuff he, he maybe he knew a, a real group of people that was doing this shit and it it may have been like this was a part of his life that he brought into this film too it, that those are the yeah. vibes it got you know yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if this like 
like during the 70s for instance especially when like evil Knievel was a thing like who's mentioned in this movie that this wasn't something that because it's also so strange like a it's they're basically it's a renaissance fair but then they're like instead of horses they have motorcycles because i guess that's cheaper i don't know um uh but it's it's very it's very bizarre because like if you watch the preview for this you would immediately think this is some like mad max weird knockoff yeah and that's not what it is at all it's like it's it's like a family film yeah or like a, a a like 70s drama and or like it's kind uh, Billy of, Jack. Have you ever seen that? I know about Billy Jack, but I've never, I've never seen it. <laughs> it's kind of a similar, like, us versus the man, you know, like, I don't know. I yeah, which is, go ahead. Oh, no, it's off topic. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't have anything to. I mean, that <laughs> that is that is also very like 1970s. That the whole like just random uh we're gonna fight the man and uh you know we're gonna live our way whatever that way is um, <laughs> uh yeah and the and the cops are all that are all enemies and um uh yeah it just it's of its era for sure or of that era and um again it's just like which I think is another 70s thing is just being really long and airy. Like mm-hmm. they don't uh I think I think movies in the 70s got known for this for just being like really filled with like air for lack of a term, well, lack of a better term. Like they would just let things play. Um, like you there's a version of this movie that's like an hour and a half. In fact, when I saw the runtime for this, I was like, wait, no way that this is this long. <laughs> Oh, was that like the director's cut? No, it, uh, it's not. I the think director's the director's cut, cut was 17 hours. In hours, yeah, which is insane. <laughs> Wait, that's that wasn't a joke? No, that's no. not a joke. That was the first cut of this movie was 17 hours long. Oh my good, ju- oh my good Jesus, this is really is his Citizen Kane. Like Citizen so, Kane was like a full day's worth of film at first, and it took him forever to chop that shit down. Like that's that's pretty much, yeah. Also weird that it has so many Easy Rider to- like. It, it basically it basically is Easy Rider. I mean, yeah, totally. It, it it is Easy Rider. It's just it's just twice as long, and it makes its it makes its its point and its emotional impact like way less effectively. But I do think it's interesting that like Easy Rider was Dennis Hopper's, uh, huge fucking movie. And I'm pretty sure his last role was in Romero's, in, in a Romero film, wasn't it? Oh, like, the City of the Dead? No, what the hell was it called? It was, it was one of those. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. Like he dies in the end of that movie and then he died a few months after the release of it, I think. And then, but yeah, that's interesting. Like, I don't know. Like just... Like, because there's definitely Easy Rider tie-ins there, and he yeah, he liked Dennis Hopper, so I feel like that's not too much of a leap to say he was inspired by it. Yeah, and it, was this Ed Harris's first movie? That's not Ed Harris. I keep trying to tell you that's Michael Fassbender, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Ed terrifying. Ass looks great in this movie, by the way. 
Ed Harris was a fucking hunk. Like, I mean, Dude, he's still he, a hunk. He, he, okay, so here's the thing. That's Fassbender's dad. Like, I don't care what anybody says. That's C. Dog knows. That's <laughs> that's fucking Michael Fassbender's dad. And just the same as Robert Redford is Brad Pitt's dad. And I don't care what anybody fucking says. Is this says. like a conspiracy theory? I'm enjoying this. Oh, okay. It is, it is a conspiracy theory, but it's not very insidious. I just think that yeah. all these fucking actors swapped spouses and nobody, nobody really knew who the fuck was whose and nobody cared for like this whole span of time. That's what um, the royal families used to do. <laughs> then, then you don't know if it's your kids, so you don't want to kill the other <coughs> kingdom, right? Right. Mm. Right. So I think that, that there's some weird shit like that going on, intentional or accidental and sloppy uh, in Hollywood with this stuff. Because, I mean, I swear to you, there were so many times while I was watching this, even the quality of his voice, like he, his cadence, like the way he, his accent and things are different. But the cadence uh, or the, um, the tone, tonal quality of his voice and his bone structure and his dimples, like every fucking thing about him is Michael Fassbender in this? Like, it's just so fucking creepy to me. I don't. I don't is it just me? Like, <laughs> well, now that you bring it up, I can I can sort of see it because. And also, is it uh, isn't Fassbender's dad that director? The director Fassbender, or are they, they're related somehow, aren't they? I mean, I just assume everyone in Hollywood is just one big gross family. So, <laughs> I want to do a side by side right now. I mean, who was it? I found out recently was. Oh yeah, um, Jason Schwartzman and Nick Cage, cousins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're and, 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 and they're both they're both related to Sofia Coppola and Francis Ford Coppola. Right. It's all just one yeah. big gross family in Hollywood. <laughs> um, what I was gonna say though is that uh, I sorry. What does no, I'm, you didn't interrupt anything. What <laughs> this is a fucking crazy movie. Um, uh, for what does work in this movie, I don't think anybody but Ed Harris can pull it off because he's just so intense about this, <laughs> which is fucking insane. Like this is. <laughs> yeah, when like, he throws you, that you... pizza at the agent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, it was pretty good. Such a, like I've never seen something so dumb look so intense and manly. Like <laughs> I thought he was just taking the pizza because I don't know. Like he's against pizza. Either that or he like just wanted it. Like y'all order pizza without me. <laughs> I thought it was like we don't want this fucking Hollywood blood money. <laughs> and it's just pizza. It's like those are four dollars. <laughs> They're pretty yeah, ready. You know, it was hot and ready. Hollywood blood money. I feel like there is there is like a sub, not a subplot, but like a an undercurrent to this movie that's probably very much about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they're yeah. just out having fun. And then you know they everyone wants them to sell out. And that photography scene, that photo shoot scene where Tom Savini is like laying on the, <laughs> he's, in the like, he's in the hunk. He's hunk like in a Leia bikini. bikini. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I yeah, can that see was... that. <clears throat> that was hot. Yeah, the, he had this real like, I'm a whore now. <laughs> it was like kind of right. Like... It was very, and I almost felt that like that. I actually that part got me more than anything else in the movie. I was like, <laughs> oh man, look at how far you came from. You know, like you know what you were doing. Hmm. Yeah. Which? It, it... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Which, which, which? What he was doing was jousting on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> but that I can dig. <laughs> see, see, okay, that that that, to, that total commitment to um, the drama <laughs> of it, even though it was all very ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I re- I really appreciated that aspect, and I I felt like it was so promising for about the first half, maybe less, maybe the first third of it. Um, because at first I was laughing a lot at everything. And then when I realized how serious that not only the actors, but the director was <laughs> taking it, uh, I, it made it like it did something inside. And I, it was like I squirmed and I laughed for a little bit longer and it was silly for another minute. And then I kind of sank into the seriousness of it and like how it would feel if you were <clears throat> like, I, like I, I just want to, I mean, I mean, Tim, you're living in, you know, a van. Like you understand, you understand what it's like to like, be like, I, I really don't want to live the way that is, you know, expected of me. I, I want to live a different way and the forces that are like acting against that. And, and all around, that's just such a solid and important. Um, I, I, I honestly think that the, the only thing that really went wrong was that it just could, good Lord, edit it, you know, good, like bring it down to 90 yeah. minutes, like 90 minutes. And you've got like this solid fucking movie. That movie is a masterpiece at 90 minutes. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just with my, uh, you know, with my ADHD, I, I just, uh, like I can watch something that's incredibly quote unquote boring if it's because it's not boring, right? Like there's tension in shots and things like that, but the way this was edited, there's this, um, I don't know, like uh, not enough emphasis on certain uh, moments. And there's a lot of like quick cuts and things, so, which is typical of B movies, but there's, there was this kind of blending of those styles that um, like, <clears throat> I, I, I kind of just get the impression that it was it, it, totally genuine. And like, he doesn't have, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like Romero doesn't have a whole lot of uh, like self-awareness with his filmmaking. And, and I think that that's, really cool like i really respect it um but it doesn't change the last hour bored me <laughs> a lot like uh, other than the hilarious like beating the shit out of the cop at the end was probably the worst part. <laughs> yeah that was great <laughs> what well i also i also loved him giving the sword to the kid i, I kind of liked yeah, that too that was really good and yeah you in know, the middle of the school and the teacher's trying to wrangle everyone back but then they all run over to touch the sword <laughs> and how cool would you feel if that were you man <laughs> but it, it's it's also like sort of the same thing happens twice because there's and they do two events and one of them actually two of them that like random people show up also dressed in knights costumes yeah like, the nazis yeah or or whatever they bike. Well, he had a swastika whatever. like tattooed on his forehead, so I figured it was you know. Oh shit! Was that what it was? I I couldn't yeah. tell. 
I think, yeah, um, I think that was just this generic way to be like, these are the bad guys. Right. <laughs> like it is now. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting, too, because now I'm thinking about it. He does have that line about, like, you know, everyone sees me as either Charles Manson or Evil Knievel. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy had the it was the same thing Manson had on his forehead. Had, had, yeah. That's oh, right. yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah, I think that's what maybe had me so kind of disappointed because I did feel like the first, like you said, like the first third of it or whatever was just very promising. And I just didn't feel like it delivered, you know, but um, I could definitely see what was put into it. And in a way, like, you know, it, it wouldn't have been able to disappoint me if I didn't care. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It definitely does. Like I actually. So Ed Harris's character. At the end, I'm like. So all this and then you're going to let someone else fight for you. Yeah, that didn't carry through for me like that was just I was like, oh, okay. It did seem like he should have fought the the guy like Morgan had this had this respectful um, sort of thing, you know. And I guess they were it was like it was so that that was another thing, like the 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 black raven or whatever, the guy that shows up. He's Native American character. dude. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, but he should have been blended with Morgan or something. Right, because it's like they're, it's like the thing that's set up at the very beginning is split between two characters, because hmm. because it's it's Morgan taking over his kingdom, so to say, so to speak, and then it's this other character that's come that signifies his death, like the end of him. Uh, so to me, that's like, I think that adds a lot of air to it. That probably if like those characters have been merged somehow. It probably yeah. would have condensed it and like made it flow smoother. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, but I do love that he just he just sort of shows up and is like just trailing him the whole time. He never says anything. You know, he he. What's weird is he fights him and he beats him. I guess no, nah, not technically. But um, but then at the end, like they're riding together, and the whole time he's just like in the background trailing him. And then there's like these weird like cuts to like, like there's one shot that's like a giant, I think it's a stuffed raven's head in the foreground that's just there for a second. And um, they're, they're constantly weaving in and out of trucks where you're like, okay, I see where this is going. Yeah, I wondered kind of if he was actually even there with him. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or if it was some sort of phantom. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I like that he showed up. At, well, I like the angle of um, like the dude shows up and he's made his own armor, right? So he knows that these guys exist. And I just really appreciate this. Um, he knew this guy was coming and he signifies his death. But but like Kurt's saying, it, it didn't really like 
that wasn't really tied into anything that mattered. It wasn't like plugged in. I don't know. Um, yeah, I felt the same way. Like, I, I feel like if he was the one that signified his death, he should have just been the one that took over the crown. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. And then, and then the, um, like the other guy, if he came, if he came back in at the end, like you were right, this Hollywood shit sucks. Um, or came back and fought them and lost and asked to join again, even though there was the new king. Uh, I don't know. They could have gone a lot of different ways, but it did feel like you said, Aerie is a good way to describe that. And again, like, I don't want to like pick it apart and talk about like how it could have been better too much, but it's like, it feels like it was just so close to being like bomb, you know, like being really yeah. fucking good. Um, Cause at but- first I was like, how did you find this documentary of, the future (laughs) (laughs) yeah i expected it to be a b movie where there was going to be like limbs flying and stuff i'm thinking like you know romero zombies like there's it's going to be violent and kind of crazy and stuff and it it just ended up being so much more heartfelt and wholesome than i expected yeah me too and that you know that's probably like that's my bad you know, like maybe I need to give it another chance with that in mind, like knowing that it's not that, you know, it's your life, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Just, just, just... <laughs> uh... <laughs> wow. Are we, are we, are we done talking about the movie already? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I want to say something else too. And it, it, well, maybe I shouldn't if you don't want to just keep picking it apart. No, go ahead. But I find movies like this to be an interesting class in like how to make a narrative. Mm. And yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. that lesson is like what not to do. Yeah. And I just think there was kind of a lot of that. And one of the things is so in your episode about the Northman, you talked about how it was very concise and it told the story without having to go into all these like subplots into all the, like it's a simple story and we're going to tell it. Yeah. And I definitely vibed with that. And this movie is a good example of that not happening. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and for whatever reason, like intentional or not, whatever, I'm who am I to say, you know, Mm -hmm. I I never made a movie of this magnitude. So. Right. There's just, there's a lot going on. that doesn't I think it's kind of a disservice to your audience when you don't pay off on a lot of like little plots and I know that maybe sounds harsh but like you populated my experience with these characters so it's kind of like what are you going to do with them like what are you doing yeah yeah, there's kind of a responsibility there to um to like help you out if you if you develop emotional connections, unless the point is uh, you know, intentionally and and uh doing something different, or or if it just lands a certain way because your uh your whole approach and your whole method is that you're just seeing what happens and you don't know yet what's gonna happen. Like there's all these different approaches. 
but if you're approaching it as <clears throat> this is a start to finish story that I'm crafting to make a specific point and you leave a bunch of little things if it, if it kind of like appears that it was unintentional or it appears that it was just accidental or careless then it it's a disservice to the audience because it it, it causes some kind of disconnect for the uh, the immersion and the experience and not not because it breaks the plot or breaks some kind of fourth wall bullshit but it's it's because it it just doesn't fit with the thesis right yeah. if if something's supposed to be disjointed and weird um, and make you feel uncomfortable then like bring it on but if it's supposed to be this flowing 70s movie that doesn't have those things as a feature then they must be a bug. Yeah, well said. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I want to. I want to know what happened to Stephen King. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I. I don't know. Like, was that his family? Did he, you know, drive them away with his drinking? <laughs> Probably. I really liked. Go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I really liked that aspect of it, that they, almost there was like immediately the fourth wall is just kind of exploded because there's these <laughs> anachronistic things going on. And so that I thought that was really cool to me at the beginning of the movie, because I'm like, OK, you know, you're trying to get your bearings on what world am I in? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's like this classic Hawaiian shirted grilling guy like the classic just like 70s slob right <laughs> and then you've got stephen king's character and like families watching it and so it did like there is something about that that kind of transported me into another realm yeah like you know yeah my wife was walking through the room and she goes what time period is this in exactly yeah. when dude with Hawaiian shirt was there and she commented on the shirt so like that that was apparently a universally golden moment it was <laughs> I just have what, to say what? it looks like a beautiful fucking day there in Brooklyn Kurt <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah I'm sure you're picking up all the street sounds and everything that's going going on well the, yeah, I mean just yeah, the sky looks gorgeous today it's it is pretty nice. I'm walking my dog currently. Um, yeah, and I you know that's the point is that is that he's and what I do like about this movie is that is that Ed Harris has created the, this own little world of his. Like I said, it's a delusion, but I don't have any problem with people being delusional. Sometimes that's that's how things happen. That's how you get interesting things in the world. And that's basically he's like. Yeah, it's it's the it's the 1970s or the early 1980s, but I want to be a fucking knight in in medieval Europe, and so I'm going to find some way to make that real. And oh wow, so in a way, it is a prequel to Westworld. Yeah, I guess in some ways, yeah. <laughs> um, and and the fact that he's like Holy so shit, committed, yeah. to, he's so committed to this that it he is like pulled in. Like I said, like a hundred people, in, including uh, the the detective in From Beyond, um, right? Uh, 
to, to like to like join him in this world and that that part i really loved and I, in some ways i'm not sure if if he's like fighting for any actual like anarchy or if it's just to protect this reality that he's made and i'm guessing i you know i i think there is i think they were trying to do some other bigger political thing but to me it's more just like i'm trying to make this fantasy world of mine real and if we if we sell it to hollywood we're gonna fuck it all up right uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's. I don't think there was anything more political than that because yeah. I get the, the the feeling he's just like such a pure filmmaker that he he just he just wants to make the fucking movie and that's all he cares about. And I think to your point, it's probably is in response to like what his career was like, right? Because you know, I'm sure he got all kinds of crazy offers after um, after Night of the Living Dead, hmm. and. Um, and so he probably this is that's it's honestly probably his experience with, with trying to engage with all I know a lot, I know there's a lot of people. There's a famous um what's that guy? Shane Carroth, who made uh what is that time travel movie? Uh Primer. Primer, yes. Yeah. I think it's a similar thing. He's he's just too weird for Hollywood. Hmm. And no matter how much how much they tried to get him to like connect and conform it just wouldn't happen yeah you see if i've got any more notes here (laughs) (laughs) i really enjoyed the line we could all take in a little more cash if we didn't spend so much on weapons (laughs) yeah (laughs) I specifically noted that one too. I I didn't write it down, but I was like, God, that was really, yes. That's how I feel about Thai amulets. (laughs) I think we're all three in that boat right now. Man, it's real. (laughs) Those pry guys are loud. Man, I'm, that's, yeah, I want to hear some about that. We don't, I mean, we don't have to, we don't have to change tack like that, but. Oh, I don't care. We we just do whatever. Um, Word. Yeah, I mean man. they are they are magical Pokemon, is what the fuck they are. <laughs> honestly, that's like probably horribly disrespectful, but <laughs> but it's like if you like think about it, it's it's the closest cultural comparison we have. I mean, it's to to say that's that's how we're treating it. Not that's what they are, but that is that is like our response to them is like that. It's like (laughs) fuck, man. It's an incredible draw for real. Like, and I did, you know. So, the book, um, the Thai Occult by Peter Jenks, has been cool so far. I'm reading it. Um, So good, and he mentions it that. I think it's when he's talking about the shrines where he's talking about they have this kind of draw that like when you visit them, you start to dream about them. And I think we all like understand how that is. We've all had similar experiences with holy places, powerful places, powerful objects, what have you. But then he does liken it to the amulets. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's so true, because even over the Internet, these are calling me. Right. 
Like, yeah. I really do just sit there and just like look at them. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's really strange. I think, I think because we all have worked with the dead might play a part in that too. Like there's something about like feet, if you feel comfortable with the spirits of the dead and then you find out what they're doing, like that they, they have within their system, a respectful way of taking violent deaths and using the energy created from the trauma and the, like the life they never lived and moving on the soul, but retaining the energy and then using the Buddhist uh, meditation of the all the parts of the body and they reverse it to build it an astral body and then empower it with elements usually so they actually construct essentially a servitor but it's it's almost like more complete of a spirit than that uh, oh, and then yeah. they they use the lost life as a battery the necromantic materials as a battery to power the new spirit that they've constructed um and you have to have a relationship with them and there's different kinds and they're all they're all different like the nang pry that i got is amazing um a nang pry is a sort of nymph it says in the book that rather than construct a new spirit they do give it the parts of the body and pull in the elements and everything but they um they actually ask what existing spirit like some kind of nymph that wants to come in and live in the talisman and become as as, as a service and be a, an assisting spirit to whoever ends up with it which is also really interesting to think um the ajarns which ajarn just means teacher but the ajarns in the book there's a lot of interviews with them um peter jenks has been living there since i think 2002 or three and it took him years to, to like even discover that all this was there. But at this point, he's like training with an Ajarn and um, and he uh, he said, so they, they do construct all this stuff, but that's actually like a different kind of, um, like it's a pre-existing spirit that wants to come and, and act as a service. Um, but like they say in the book that the, the Ajarns uh, say that the, the talismans, the spirits and the talismans choose you. Like you don't choose them, they choose you. And that really, you can, and you can feel that. Right. But the, it's interesting because it feels like a lot of the, it feels like kind of like half of them on the website want to choose you. So, but I think there's something to which one you actually end up with being potentially something like I feel like my Nangpry knew that I would end up with it and it entered like it could even be a spirit that was on my team that like went to time you know you never know with time and spirits and well right or like works. some kind of like a past life yeah mm. you yeah know, you or could be your own necromantic materia power <laughs> or like a past life of one of your like I don't know it just gets so It gets very um, squishy. Squishy is a good word. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so this this sounds like really dark to to people that aren't like familiar with it. But but what they're actually doing in the Buddhist system, they're they're moving this soul on um, in some cases, and they're rebuilding a spirit around it. So what happens then is the energy that was left by the human that died 
is helping you and when it helps you to pay it back you go do something nice for someone else and that gives you merit a metaphysical currency called merit which you then offer to the talisman to the spirit and the talisman in exchange for the help they provided you and then that helps the spirit in their next life so in some cases it's someone who died suddenly and they didn't know they were dead and they would be stuck and so instead of being stuck they put them in the talisman so they can serve the living and gain merit through the living to move on quicker and be stuck for less time so the whole thing because it's in a buddhist system no matter how dark it sounds all of that is just because we're westerners and all of it in their system is for the benefit of everyone involved. Like no one's getting used. And in most of these cases, no harm can come to, no unethical harm can come or they're like, it's unusable material. Um, sure, there are definitely people that are dark that don't do it that way, but it seems that most of the teachers and everything are almost like a union. And, you know, there's all this, he was, he was saying in that that Rune Soup interview that like um, one of them, there's like four episodes, I think four or five, but uh, that Gordon was asking him like, how do you deal with like conflict and things? Because you know you'd expect a bunch of wizards to be cursing each other for business, and he's like, no, they're they're so cooperative that it's like they have ways of disarming you with meta, which is loving kindness. So they'll be like a dick by being so kind that it fucks you up and throws you off. And it's just like really fascinating. Like, like that's cool. Even, I like that. Even the aggression is Buddhist, you know? <laughs> it, sorry, you know, that was really long winded. I'm sorry, guys. I just no, wanted to explain like, like, so people aren't like at home going, that's disgusting. Um, it actually, it's funny because I think there's a world where there's a better version of this movie where it's made explicit that him dying at the end <laughs> is so that this, his spirit can, can allow and fuel that whole troop to continue on. <laughs> he becomes, yeah, the, the Hun Payun uh, protective spirit of, the, of that world. Of the troop, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like a better metaphysics would really benefit this movie. like like it's him dying solidifies it beyond and anchors it beyond the imaginal into this world more yeah um yeah i mean i i think that's kind of in the movie but uh that i think that's an even that's a better version of this movie it's like he didn't he didn't know he, he didn't even know he was doing it but it's last thought before he smashed into that semi was like, oh, it's going to be a fucking thing forever. (laughs) So then he just dies and that's his task, you know? (laughs) All right. We got to, we got to remake this movie guys. (laughs) No, the world doesn't need one more remake. (laughs) No. (laughs) Right. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I sometimes I feel like that's what remakes should be is like actually taking movies that don't quite work and then doing a new version. That's what they should be. They're rarely ever that. Yeah, no, they just cherry pick the best parts and make something new, but is worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to live it. Yeah. 
I mean, I think, I think, I think we're all going to eventually be living it, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That's always an option. And at some point, uh, maybe the option. Yeah, it feels, it feels oddly current in a weird way too. Well, it's, uh, except for those, except for those gas engines. I mean, they're literally killing it. Like, no one's allowed to leave their homes anymore because they're using fucking gas engines in that movie. We're all gonna die next fucking week because they're driving around in motorcycles. So we can't. Yeah, you're, you're about to be underwater, dude. It's gonna be. It's gonna be like um, Segway, uh, Mad Max bullshit here. It's, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna be. It's gonna be like passive aggressive max. (laughs) It's gonna be electric scooters. Uh, Mad minimum. It's gonna be (laughs) annoyed moped. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I guess uh, it's it hasn't been very long, but. Uh, to answer your question, Tim, like the or to respond to that, the the Kuman Thong is very chatty, like he said it would be, and he just sent me that as a free gift. If you go to thetaiocult.com, there's a sale going on right now, and if you pay full price and ignore the sale, he will send you a free gift, and uh, I recommend it because it'll end up being something that you didn't know you wanted and will probably be glad it's there. It's really strange like that. Like I was like, I really didn't want a Kumon Thong and now I'm happy I have one. And um, he's a feisty little guy. And that's the spirit of a boy who died. Uh, probably, you know, violently or something. But in this case, they used a... Um, They use just a piece of the materia, a little dot of it, and then they construct sort of a spell around that. So it isn't actually like a soul or a spirit of a human. It is just the energy and a a sort of like a, what what I can gather is these different sorts of spirits are, the thing that holds them together is like an ancient current of magic. And when they do it, they're sort of like tying into that. And these things are passed down. Um, so the way it's, it's almost like in, in a sense, all the Kumanthongs are maybe partly kind of one, even though they're powered by different materia. And I, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting that right, but that's kind of the, the idea I'm getting as I'm taking all this stuff in. But so that one's really like, (laughs) he's kind of loud, like when I first got him out of the box, he, I couldn't stop thinking about him. And it took me a little while to realize like, that's, oh, he's trying to get my attention. <laughs> Duh. So, yeah. I, you know, going and, and, and like, he started making me uh, see and taste cigarettes. So it was like, he just really wants to fucking smoke. <laughs> um, and I gave him a cigarette and then he, he stopped talking um, for a while. But <clears throat> then the, um, the Nang Pry, the one that's, more of like a feminine spirit and sort of like a nymph, according to the book. It feels, it's, it's completely different. Like it, it took a few days to even notice like that it was for sure a real thing there. Um, but now it's incredible. Um, 
there's something about it. It just kind of like clears the air out around me. And um, it's sort of a, a bodyguard type thing is the way that this one was, was intended. And um, that's going very smoothly. Um, and I, yeah, I have a couple other things. I don't really have much to talk about there yet. At some point, I will have a lot to say about the loot croc. Um, and I may have gotten, <laughs> may have jumped into the deep end. And I, I know I jumped into the deep end with that one, but um, yeah, because that's that's a different thing. But I don't I don't even want to go into that right now. <laughs> Is it, I mean, I I'm not even I'm not even sure there's a shallow end with these, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I, I I well, if you're already a practitioner, um, there are a few things that are that seem to be a lot more like. Um, easy maintenance and a lot more agreeable than others like a kuman thong needs attention but they're relatively like they're not something you need to be like worried about uh or anything they're just like they just want to be talked to and given sweet things and given merit and like they apparently just kind of act on their own and bring you good fortune and bring um good things into your life because in the book i and this could just be my reading of it. I don't know. Like, it seems like they all have a spirit in them. But then when I read the description of mine, it didn't sound so spirity. But that doesn't necessarily, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Like there, yeah. Were, there weren't instructions for any kind of um, offerings. Like it just has the kata. There's three. But, There's three. Um, okay. Yeah. Which, who is your, uh, who made yours? Uh, Ajar Napishai. Oh, okay. Same yeah, as yours, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the same yeah. as the uh, the Nang Pry. Um, Nang 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 Pry. Um, and uh, and I actually got his. I ordered his very special talisman, which is on the way, which is no pry. That's just like unbelievable amounts of holy stuff, like crushed Buddha statues and uh, soils from all these different temples. And uh, cool. It's got a piece of hair from, or it's got pe like a connection to his teacher. Like I think it has a piece of his hairs, his hair in it, um, who is deceased. So the idea is that you have this connection to a dead magician. Um, and there's also, uh, it's supposed to help you draw from like an endless well of samadhi, which which in the Thai cult system, they refer to samadhi as basically, the Ajans are basically like, samadhi is what you need to do magic. It's just the focus, ritual focus. And doing, and they're like, doing the Namodasa chant just gives you more of that. So draw from this well. But this talisman is supposed to um, essentially just pull you into the like magician current of that is what it sounds like. And that's that's super exciting. But but yeah, yours sounds like um, because it's it's a bunch of uh, which one which one was it again? It's the the look um oh with the heart right yeah, and it's got you know like the ashes of a pregnant woman, the ashes of someone that died in an accident, the naman pry of both of those, so that's the corpse oil right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm imagining, you know, that's I'm going to have to ask him. We'll see that's because I don't want to like 
I'm I'm very intentional about not like giving it its giving it its proper due. Like you know what I mean? Like if this is a person, I want to know it's a person. Right, right. And I'm imagining that I'm going to I'll probably be able to tell, right? I'm sorry. What was yours called again? One more time. The look um uh look Sonia. Home. Right. Look, okay. I think on the website it's look on prize Sonia amulet. Yeah. So it's definitely powered by the pry. I'm not yeah, sure if right. it has like it might not have like a conscious, it might just be like a really strong field effect thing. That's what I was that's what kind of the idea I got from it, but I just want to be sure, you know? Like, yeah, definitely, definitely being sure so is a great idea. If <laughs> if there aren't offerings, um I'm not sure because he did say in my email, it's honestly not that specific in the book about certain things that, yeah. like I have a lot of questions and I don't want to take too much of this time because he's busy writing books, but like, um, but like I asked something about, you know, because it says that my Neng Prai has uh, uh, some Hun Payun Takrut in it so that it's, um, it's got that protective bodyguard quality. Yeah. Um, and I was like, so does that mean it likes cigarettes like a Hoon Payun does? And he was like, well, I'll probably like cigarettes. And I'm like, well, it doesn't say that anywhere. Mm. We just got to go to Thailand and study. I, you know what, man? <laughs> I've been thinking about it when reading this book. It's so tempting. Like, we do not have anything like this in the West. Right. Um, I, just the whole culture around it and and the the cooperation between all these magicians and the monks the fact that the fact that buddhism frowns on magic and yet the monks help the ajarns and the ajarns and the monks do ceremony together and they help them with their magic by giving them materia and blessing things for them it's it's really special like yeah <laughs> it's truly really beautiful. beautiful i uh, i've been just obsessed with it um, I'm completely obsessed with this for like the past month. Just and I, you know, all of Jenks's episodes on Room Soup have been my favorites, but um, like hands down, my absolute favorites. But like for some reason, it was just like not time for me to get into it yet. And I just didn't read any of his books until about a month ago. And because if I had, I would have bought one of these and it would have been too soon. Yeah. I can definitely see that because I think I remember I listened to one of his episodes when I first started listening to Rune Soup before I was even a premium member and got involved with all y'all. Um, and it kind of, I don't even remember anything from it. Like it kind of washed over me. Like it wasn't ready to, I wasn't ready hmm. for that, you know, for it to take root. And now I'm in the same boat, not so much a month, but I'm, I'm very interested in all this. That makes me wonder if Kurt went back to Gene Wolfe, would it land now? <laughs> I, I'm also, I'm very curious. Yeah, I wonder if like, because there are, so, there are times when there's things that you return to that were at one point like extremely difficult or impenetrable that, that suddenly, like it's weird. It's like there's, there are times for certain things. Yeah, yeah. And I, so, I feel and that a lot. Yeah, and sometimes it's too soon. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, like the Thai amulet I got. Like, I definitely, uh, I'm only now at the point of having done 
enough magic where I feel like I can handle the thing that I got. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily that it's like its demands are crazy, but it's still like a certain, um, <laughs> like, I, like, I know, I know if I was younger, I wouldn't have that commitment to like, you must do this every day. You like, I definitely would have, I would totally have fucked it up. Yeah. Me too. Like even yeah. six months, even six months ago, because I wasn't settled. I was, I just got my residency card in the mail last week for Denmark. And like, now we're home. I've got the garden going. We just got chickens. Like, awesome. this is, this is, we've been fighting for this since we met. And it just like, finally, it's all like, it's all real now. And so it was like, now I've adopted babies. I've adopted a, a, a fetus spirit and a, and a, and a, a small boy spirit and uh, a couple others that, uh, but but you know what like we live in a church rectory that's been consecrated ground for 800 years like we have a big property it's a nice place for some kids it's it's really a nice place for for some spirits that need a nice home and like that's it was like my heart didn't let me say no um but it only happened because this place was here and everything was just right for it right now um i think it's really interesting current that you got uh, a penang right mm-hmm. you got oh i forget the, the, i forget the specific name yeah i don't it remember a, it's a it's a tiger amulet yeah but I, th- I thought it was it was carved from a tiger skull correct it is yes so i believe ethically sourced by the way um and i be- <laughs> i believe that was no they, they actually are specific about that. yeah they're for, they, it was from a zoo i think is what they were saying but um but that is uh, any the amulets carved from pieces of skull are called a penang, and uh, they're like a sign of authority and wisdom, and they're so intense and powerful that it's like like no they say that it's a, it's a mark of of uh, leadership or of um, like achievement um, magically, and that no one can tell you when it's time to get one or not or if you're ready for one or not it's a personal thing and you have to know but if someone ha- if someone has one everyone respects it it's really interesting wow okay that's uh i didn't know all that all right yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I i didn't know a lot I, of things when i got my shit either <laughs> well it, it's funny because the, the, <laughs> he had there was two different tiger amulets and one was cheaper and I looked at that one first, but um, much like you guys are talking about, like the, the, the potency that seems to like travel through the photographs of these things. As soon as I looked at the, at the one that I bought, I was like, oh my God, that's it. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, it's like, it's a similar thing, but it's like better. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, something else that, that just sprung into my mind. Um, listen to you talk about like, well, there's a couple of things like, like this idea of being at the right place and the right time for things to come to fruition. Hmm. Um, like, like there seems to be like, if you're magically operant, there's, there's something about, in addition to timing, there's something about being in the right place. Right. And like, yeah. it, it sort of like, being in the right place kind of clears space and le- and lets and opens up potential for other things. Um, but the other thing I was thinking is like, 
I wonder if, um, so if you have kids, will your kids be inspirited by the, by the amulets you adopted? Like, are, is this, is this a pathway for them to be born to you? Have you, I mean, I wonder, like. <laughs> that is fascinating. Um, I thought about that too. Uh, but in a, in a, on a case basis, I already know that Sesha and I's ancestors are already fighting over who, which line gets to rebirth someone's birth. Like we know that there's like a lot of fucking chatter about like, there's a, like get in line. Um, apparently. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. But like, I do think about that in terms of what if we're best friends when in another life for me, like what if like two lifetimes from now, my Luke Croc and I are best buds. Like that's the coolest fucking thought to me. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah. Oh, there was also this right. thing about, <clears throat> about them aging because it's also said that, you know, there's no like for sure, but, but it is said that these spirits, like a, you know, a Kumandong will age and that a, uh, <clears throat> like, especially a Luke Croc, because a Luke Croc is not a reconstructed spirit. A Luke Croc is actually an aborted fetus um, that was never born. So it actually had all of its parts of the body except the teeth. So they add the teeth for it astrally. But um, owners of them, I found this academic paper on it um, with a, a couple little interviews with, pe with people that had them. Because um, I'm trying to find anything I can to help me be a better parent, you know? And um, there's not a lot out there to go with, uh, to go on that I can find yet. And um, it was saying like this woman was saying she'd had him for, you know, 13 years or something. And like he was, you know, in his early, like early 20s or something. Like he was like aging at the normal rate and that at the end of his life, what would have been his lifespan, however long he was supposed to live, he'll just stop being in the talisman. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So like wow. theoretically I could... If, if my kids ended up doing magic, I could pass ownership on, but at some point their lifespan will have been over and they'll be not there anymore. In which case I'm wondering, could you take out the pry? Cause that's not, <laughs> use it for something else. <laughs> I just, just curious. I, it's not like I want to do it. I just always want to have these like technical questions about like, anytime I get like, tiny little piece of information and give me like 20 more questions to ask. So that's interesting, Kurt. You were talking about being in the right place. Oh, I'm sorry. I fucking went way off. Oh, no, you're good. You're not. Just, no, no, there's no, no going off. Yeah, yeah. I, re no. I remembered it. If there, I didn't want to say there, it, I would have forgotten. We, we, we're, this is not a straight highway. This is Spaghetti Junction at every, yeah. every moment. <laughs> this is so, not... This is not Fury Road. This is uh, <laughs> this is uh, Night Riders. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that it's interesting that you were talking about that because 
it makes me think of our recent excursion and the fact that you being from Georgia and living there for so long and never having gone to these sites or never even them. had them, or even them. heard of them. Yeah. Like they were, they were, and that we, we was, recently went to rock Eagle and rock Hawk in Putnam County, Georgia, just Georgia. To, for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Kurt, uh, Kurt, Kurt and Tim hung out in real life and I sat home and I was happy for them all day. <laughs> well we we specifically made a sigil that was like fuck rev and we just put it on <laughs> no i felt it i felt it hey man we used we used your tech at a graveyard so yeah <laughs> oh yeah, yeah 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 uh in fact one of the one of the most profound things <laughs> i've ever done um yeah was that moment and um hmm. yeah dude that whole experience was fucking ridiculous what well and what's funny is is so i had that i had that happen not just with that but even um like the last day before i left i i drove there's a there's this main road in atlanta called ponce de leon and it has these like parks that are next that are like beside it at a certain point and one of which i had never got i have driven by this thing most of my time that i've spent in atlanta and i had never gone to it and the and the last day before i leave i went and visited it it was this crazy fairy tale fucking park and that was that was just like i don't know it's this weird thing where like the you think you're familiar with the place but it's but like over time it like evolves and sometimes you need you need the distance to be away and then come back. Well, um, yeah, and I think this reminds me of I'm interrupting you and I'm sorry, but this reminds no, me no, of no. something that um, that you told me, Rev, when I was I don't remember exactly where it was, but about coming more into relationship with a place and it will show you more things. I think it was when I found this it was a little more complicated because it was I had saw this Antioch Orthodox church that I had driven by like a thousand times while working and never Mm -hmm. noticed. But like I had started working more with St. Cyprian and then all of a sudden I saw it. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, man, was that there before? (laughs) You know, and like, well, obviously, right? Like, duh. Like, it's not just my perception that makes something exist, but like, it's like it got revealed. Like, oh, okay, now we're cool. Now you can see this. And you like had a little Mandela effect moment, right? Or Mandala effect. Sorry, it's always been Mandala effect. <laughs> it should be. It makes a little more sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. But anyway, Kurt, continue. Well, well, no, I mean, it's, it's just sort of like, um, I don't know, and maybe this is a stupid comparison, but it's, it's like, it's like, you know, when you return to a earlier point of a video game and suddenly there's like this whole other area that's opened up. Yeah, that's, that's almost what it's like, like you, you return and then suddenly, because, because you're right, like that church was always there, but the idea that you could visit it. Mm. 
like I like, like that. that like that the that the door is suddenly open yeah. and um and it's actually i i did a similar thing to uh there there's a there was a church uh that i knew for years had um uh an actual uh labyrinth on it like a stone labyrinth in its courtyard and i had meant to go visit it for a million years and i never did and this trip i finally decided to go and then i also like the doors to the actual cathedral were open so i went in there too and it was this like it was amazing because like i guess someone was practicing the organ because the organ was playing the whole time there was no one in it but uh i got to like just stand in this huge cathedral while the organ's playing all by myself and um yeah and, it, and it's just like for whatever reason it, this trip the, this trip was about i guess i kind of about holy sites in a weird way which that's what we visited um because you you were like all right we meet we were i think you you were suggesting like hey we could go to one of these two native sites that uh they're here in georgia and i'm like i've never heard of these and um there's what the edelwood mounds was the first one i looked looked at and then and then i looked at rock rock eagle and much like the tie amulets i was like this we got to do this um and it was this potent, it, it was just a picture. And the picture was like, it was like I was getting energy shot through my spine. It was the craziest thing. Um, and that whole trip, that whole day was such a crazy blend of synchronicities from the beginning to the end. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it was, it's almost like the the Rocky Eagle and Rockhawk brought us there to then elevate that graveyard. I I don't know. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I definitely felt like they brought us there. But it's interesting too. It's almost like okay, so did is it a time of resurgence? Because it's weird. Like I don't know why these places actually aren't more famous. So it's yeah. almost like they they've chosen not to be. So what so what happened for for the listeners? Like, <gasps> like okay, because you're you're saying you maybe it brought you there to elevate the graveyard, right? Okay, so we we get there, and and this place you know, is like a giant eagle on the ground made of a bunch of quartz. Right? Yeah, it's made of like yeah. thousands of pieces of quartzite rock. And they're and, all, you know, there's different colors of that. And they're so they're all about the same color. It's it's kind of white. And that's important because the other place is different. Um, and so this one is Rock Eagle, and it's kind of on the main road. It's up, it's kept up by UGA. And so we get there, we brought some offerings, and we immediately just had kind of the instinct to leave the offerings at the head, which is where you approach it. And then both walk around the circle and visit each of the quarters. And we left tobacco at each one and kind of sat there. Um, there was dragonflies playing over it. And we saw like a good deal of lizards and just a lot of. And it was interesting, too, because when we got there, it was dead quiet. 
Oh um, yeah, I forgot about that. Until we got to the wing tips, which are on the east and uh, the east and west axis. The thing is facing south from the head. The tip of the head is facing south. And once we got there, all the bugs and cicadas and things started singing. <coughs> and then Kurt <coughs> tells me he hears like or gets the impression of up, up. Like, look at me. But I, you know, I've thought about it since. And I wonder if up, up meant more than that, too, based on what we've talked about. Right. So there's an observation tower that looks like something from medieval times. and. We walk up it. It's like three stories or four. And we, we just like we're in awe of this thing. We're at the top looking down and just kind of gathering the impressions that we're getting. And I started getting words coming in and it was just kind of talking to us, you know. Um, so while we're up there, watch, while we're up there just enjoying. Um, this father and his two daughters come up. And Kurt, you can take it from there because you Kurt just started talking to him and knew the exact right questions to ask. <laughs> well, I mean, if I first I I was I asked if the guy was local and he I he said yes, if I remember correctly. And then I asked him if he knew any like local myths or legends about the place, because it's usually people that are that are around these areas, they'll, they'll pick up like and you sometimes will get really interesting things, even if they're like completely like rumors or whatever. <laughs> and um, and the first thing he told us was that uh, well, he was telling he was telling us about haunted places that were around the area, but then he mentioned that there was a graveyard that wasn't too far from where the savage was that that it shared the same property. And then he told us that there was a second effigy. <laughs> which uh actually tim did you know about that before that yeah i knew it? about rock hawk but i didn't know anything else about it and yeah and he said it was like only 13 miles away or something like it was close by and you know it's it's funny he's basically this dude is giving us our our itinerary for the day and i lived in this area for 12 years by the way <laughs> so i lived here for 12 years and didn't no didn't idea. know any of this, this stuff yeah um another little funny detail is like when we first when we first met at the beginning of the day i, I went to go pick tim up in alpharetta and we um we both got brought stones to trade each other like i i, I brought him like a piece of pyrite this thing that's called like a miner's do dollar which is like uh it's this flat piece of pyrite that grows in coal deposits and it's like it looks like a sand dollar. Apparently, they're not actually sand dollars, uh, but they're it looks also like called pyrite suns. It looks like a sun disk. Sun disk. Yeah, it looks like a sunburst. Yeah. And then what's funny is that he gave Tim gave me a piece of Georgia quartz, which is <laughs> which a I had tried to fish out of the ground. I had tried to fish a piece of that out of the ground like earlier in the week, and b that's what both these effigies are made out of. Is made out of the same stuff. Right. So and it's just, the 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 one like in the comparison of the two, you said the one felt more up and solary. Yes. So like you, yes. you gave him something solary and he gave you the quartz that the place was made of. Like, oh wow. <laughs> I didn't even get that connection until right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh well so for for 
whatever reason, the whole day was surrounding the number two. And so there was two of us, we traded the stones. And then also Tim brought out these two tiny pieces of Formica, not Formica, uh, Mica, excuse me. Uh, Formica, because we started talking about Twin Peaks. Yeah, again, this again, is a Formica table. <laughs> In the kitchen cabinets or something. Um, uh, so two pieces of Mica that, that, so our day starts off with a number two. Um, well, so, so, oh, and then also at the top of the tower were randomly like two Razor scooters that were painted up as the local native tribes that knew about these effigies, <laughs> as well as a third white one just in the corner, like ashamed of itself. That's amazing. <laughs> That's like tr- truly amazing. Muskogee and Creek, by the way. And... Mus- Muskogee, really, in, in Georgia. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's what was painted on the scooter. I'm not sure of their exact bounds. Interesting. Um, but uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Do we had a, and, and, you know, sadly, we sent them west. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's a lot of natives from Georgia that ended up all over the country. Yeah. I, one of my close, like longest, oldest friends uh, is Muskogee and their family is all from like Florida, Bama. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, Oh, there was another thing that I wanted to mention too, is that we had talked on the way down there about this, um, Something that I had seen, and I've been taking these runic journeys where you journey basically into a rune each time. And I was telling Kurt about the journey that I had taken into the rune Hagal. And on the windowsill in chalk that was kind of fading of this tower, this observation tower, was the rune Hagal. And now it's... (laughs) It's like a six-pointed. So Hagal has asterisk. two forms. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. an asterisk. So just like we looked at each other like, whoa. <laughs> and then the other thing is that on the on the drive down, I was telling Tim about my my landlord who who uh, was beloved and recently passed, and his name was Tony. And then the guy that we met in the tower. I asked him his name right before he left and his name was Tony. <laughs> and uh, and so <laughs> the other funny thing is that like that guy goes and then this this other random dude shows up and is like walks in like takes two a two second look out the window and then just leaves. And we're both Man, like there were multiple people that were like that and we were like how do you just look like I can't even leave. How do you just like they just appeared over the edge and went, dude? Huh? Yeah, (laughs) just a bunch of fucking rocks, man. What the fuck, dude? Well, (laughs) you know, he'd probably be a little bit different if he had like five grams of mushrooms in him, right? (laughs) Which I think is what this the sense I I think and Tim agrees with me. We sort of both had kind of insights about this. Where first I think this effigy was is a thunderbird. 
that represents a Thunderbird. I think it is a Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think what would happen is ritualistically they would they would go and either trance out somehow either either through mushrooms or through just drumming or whatever and they would they would trance out on the back of this effigy and then that would take them up into the sky and for anyone listening (laughs) this fucking thing is so old that the oldest natives we know of like found it there and have no idea it's like like a lot of these things so so like uh if you're if you're using the appropriation word in your head you can stop <laughs> this is an ancient <laughs> this is an ancient being and a sacred site that like probably wants to be fucking engaged with because otherwise it wouldn't still exist right and it's very well kept yeah yeah it's like the kind of thing where anyone that's taken a rock from off of that like i guarantee you if they were able to soon brought it back yeah i i don't i don't see it as something that like uh unless it it chose to give you something i i can't even begin to express how terrible an idea that would be right and now because there's there's some ruins of some other like there's ruins of a of what they believe might be a serpent mound by the rock hawk site and I can't remember where I was reading it. It was probably on that little flyer we got. And it talks about how um, European settlers took a bunch of rocks from it to make a path. And they all got like cholera or something, right? Like, <laughs> like, the, like not a great idea. <laughs> you got to have AIDS now. Right. <laughs> but it's because you smoked weed. You also have myocarditis. <laughs> So we go out after this, you know, we said our goodbyes. It was like really hard to pull away. Um, because you could just feel tingles the whole time. It's just yeah, like, you it can was feel just power. waves. Yeah, it just waves of it. So and we, um it go ahead. Well, no, I was gonna say, and um as we're leaving, Tim starts cleaning up. He's like taking trash from the site because he's like a good person. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, like because uh, effort effort is also an offering for anyone listening and um i'm like that's that's such a wise thing i and like i'm looking around for something to to also remove from the site some piece of trash and i see a golf ball that's on the it's like at the tail end of the effigy but it's like 10 feet beyond the fence and i'm like ah there's no way i can get that if i could reach that golf ball I would totally take it. And we walk as we're walking around the path and we cross the wingtip that I had set and basically meditated at, like not, but like five minutes, five minutes ago or 10 minutes ago, there's a golf ball. There's another golf ball and it's right there next to the fence. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to take this one. And well, I hang on. I hang reach on. Out, yeah. You gave him a, a di- I mean, I know iron is, associated with mars but pyrite's glistening and golden and it looked like a sun you said so you gave him a sun you gave him a sun and then you found a fucking moon on the ground oh shit (laughs) oh my god on on your on your way to the other bird wow here's another thing i just realized when you were telling this is that okay so where you found that golf ball 
you were able to reach under the fence and get it. And that's what gave me the idea while we were at that wing. I was like, oh, shit, the wingtip is so close to us that we can reach under this fence and touch it. And so we both did and said thanks and touched the tip of the wing. And Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been, this is going back to that same idea, that wouldn't have been available if you hadn't found that golf ball to take. Right? So that's a give and take. Hmm. Or like Mm. a a relational thing, like, oh, the road is now open. You may touch me. Yeah. 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 And it's all about like what you're noticing, right? It's it's the actual door is open to your awareness at any given time. Yeah, the whole time it's like ceremony, right? Like Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like it, it, it's like it's like what they talk about where like as soon as you have the idea for a ritual the ritual has begun yeah right yeah, yeah it's 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 kind of a similar thing so that like as soon as we had the idea as soon as i saw that picture like two days before it was like we were already starting to go into ceremony the ceremony had begun then and um so two other little weird things the along the path the stone path that encircles this effigy are two sets of embedded millstones so there's your there's there's two twos there and then guess what's on the golf ball that i pull out from behind the fence the number two um so now okay the other thing the the other reason why i'm like i wonder if the effigies were also sort of bringing us to that graveyard is because it it was sandwiched between us visiting both of them right it was like and i mean it's actually between both of them oh wait for real I mean, yeah, not like directly between both of them, but yeah, it was towards the road and the hawk is over on like if you if you were a crow oh, flying. Oh, my God, you're right. OK. Yeah. So what do you think the two is? Do you think that's just saying like like you went to the first one? Now you got to go to the second one. There's yeah, two you got to do. These. There's both. two of these because you found out there were two of them and then you can. Yes. two. So it's like, yes. like, go to the other one. you got to go to the other one. And we just made it. But let's, well, I'm, I'm going too far ahead. <laughs> so, um, go ahead. No, no, well, I mean, so he gave us, he gave us directions to this graveyard that were, it's, it's, it's those weird, like, context-specific directions where. They're like Morrowind directions. <laughs> <laughs> like there's yeah. no quest marker it's just like you'll see a rock and then go <laughs> right <laughs> yeah basically it was like it's by the entrance and when he said entrance we were thinking oh you mean when you turn off the road to get and it's like no he meant the entrance to the part of the road that goes to the effigy that's what he <laughs> meant <laughs> and it took us like a couple of minutes to sort out where the hell he was actually talking about. And what was, what, what was funny is that we sort of just started out hiking down this path on faith. Cause, uh, and, and we actually, 
we came out on another road and then turned the wrong way. And then Tim happened to see this sign, this like wood sign that would that does not look like a map whatsoever from a distance, but is totally a map. It looked like a picture we of were, a hand. Yeah. <laughs> and it told us we were going the wrong way. It was like, no fucking morons, Thompson Cemetery this way or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like we like, were that like like uh the the whole buddhism like hand pointing at you know divinity <laughs> and like like don't don't look at the hand it's like it's like you know here's a fucking hand Dude, it was like we kept thinking about what right we need to take and then it was the one time we didn't go right because <laughs> the whole time i'm like this is can't be the way i think we're going the wrong way like i i was off God, <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> um, but we we do finally find it, and it is it is the most bizarre, tiny little cemetery. And it's um, uh, first there's like about so it's it, it's on this like I guess it's a service road. Um, this gravel service road and next to the gravel service road is this like completely dilapidated fallen down like cow fence like wooden cow fence that's just laying on the ground and um, beyond that like 10 or 20 feet beyond that is the cemetery which is like looks like three tiny ones jammed together Uh, there, there is like there's a wrought iron fence right next to a stone wall fence and in front of that was like the remains of like a wooden picket fence, um, which leads me to believe that this was the start of a much that was going to be a much larger cemetery. And these were like separate plots or something. Well, we found some really old looking stones that were like they're like cemeteries. They're like grave marker shape, you know, but they're. Yeah, it was hard to tell. Like, obviously, stones are old, but like, <laughs> like it was, it was hard for me to pass it off as a coincidence. Yeah, it almost was like there were <clears throat> many cemeteries, right? Like built on, like this place has been a cemetery for a long time. And th- dude, I didn't even think about this. Is that there were <coughs> natives living there for a long time? Like that could have been their cemetery too. Oh yeah, like because you know the cemetery probably gonna cemetery. Like, even if you didn't know that's where the cemetery was, you'd probably end up building the cemetery there because that's the cemetery. Yeah. You know? And so Mm. there were some stones there that were like, these look intentionally placed, but they're not the stones that of a tomb of a tombstone. Yeah. Well, I mean, they look like tombstones to me. They're probably just like every other child that everyone had before. Right. Probably that, too. Um, only half of them survived but it was also weird too because i've never seen like and maybe there this is a thing but i've never seen the walls like a walled cemetery that didn't have an entrance like the wall was totally just went all around with no door or anything yeah it's like it's like you would have to leap over the wall to get inside and i i that must be a that must be some spe- culturally specific thing that I'm not aware of. 
like some old European thing that got imported that um, uh, either that or it was like they close it off when it's like, oh, this is all used up, maybe? I don't know. It was really strange. Never seen anything like it. Maybe it was like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, they wouldn't bury uh, like like suicides and things they would bury away from other cemeteries. Like it's possible mm. that it could have been some kind of special thing. Like when I hear the, 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 um, the rocks that looked in- intentionally placed, but weren't, um, weren't headstones, like, and rather than that being like natives before something, it makes me think like, like seriously, like young children that were young enough that, you know, it was like, uh, they were still a baby so we want to remember but it was like this kind of thing happens um, that's kind of like what that makes me think of I don't know if that's what it is but that's kind of what vibes that's right <clears throat> so the um, well first we were trying to figure out what was technically the entrance to this place because it was like because yeah it's it's these like three things jammed together but then also there's the fence at the road that's collapsed and there's there's like a little uh, the fence ended and then there was a, a rock and then there was an open space past the rock, uh, and it's kind of uh, a, so a lot of fence for for you know like it seems like they yeah. want people to be in there or something. <laughs> um, but but it took like it took well for me, Tim Tim smartly left his coins right at the rock next to the next to that fence and then. It took me walking about 10 or 15 feet in before going like, no, I need to turn around. That was where I was supposed to put the coins for the guardian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Tim, Tim rolled two cigarettes for us, tobacco cigarettes, and did a really awesome rendition of The Highwayman, which I think <laughs> is the perfect graveyard song. That is, that I, that is brilliant, dude. <laughs> I started doing that during the course and it's become part of my, yeah, that's what I did. Love that song. That's awesome. It's a, it, it's a beautiful, it's perfect. Um, so the energy of that place was dense and weird and kind of a little uncomfortable. Um, and right at the front, which is where the like kind of dilapidated broken picket fence it, that held one gravestone, which was for a Civil War soldier. And it, like, even though the fence was broken and fallen, like, it felt like there was a barrier there. Like, we couldn't get any closer to it. In fact, we, like, walked right up to where the fence would have been and sort of had to lean over to read the tombstone. Like, it just felt like, no, you can't cross this. Um. And we sort of like wandered around and checked the site out, and it and like like that feeling, that weird like density. I, I kind of had that in like my solar plexus region, and it just like I'm like, should we be here? I don't know. This feels strange. And mm. then uh, Tim was like, "Do you want to do you want to do the elevation right?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's definitely let's definitely do that." And uh, it took him a minute to sort of like dig them up, and and the and these are these are prayers that the Rev had <laughs> collected, <laughs> that the that Rev had collected uh, for a course he runs, and um, 
I both Tim and I have done this separately at different graveyards in the past. And I, I actually I don't I don't remember Tim. I'm I'm sure you had a similar experience when I did when I did it in one of the biggest cemeteries here in um, in Brooklyn. It was like a deeply moving thing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing, and I got yeah. a lot of a lot of visualizations. Just very and, uh, coher- coherent and cohesive things that were happening. <clears throat> so, um, so then we were, we sort of sorted out how to best read them, and what we did is we we take there. I forget how many prayers there were, like five maybe. So we take we took turns like reading one, and I would read one, and then Tim would read one, and then I would read one, and then Tim would read, one. and then the last one we read in unison. Mm. Um, and. It was like it's, we we finished those prayers, and it's sort of like letting the energy settle. And I, I, you know, I I think at this point, like I think I think you started kind of crying first. Oh, I started and, crying. I almost started bawling during the prayer, but I had to like hold it together to finish the prayer. You know, I'm a prayer. fucking <laughs> I'm a fucking sorcerer. But like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a magician. But once we were, was like, yeah. <laughs> once we were done, yeah, the tears came, and and I sort of it was a similar thing where I was like holding it together. I was like, I ain't no sissy. I can hold it together, <laughs> you know. And then like it just fucking hit me like a freight train, and then like I started wailing, like just crying. And um, as soon as that happened we could walk right next to that civil war tombstone. Like that barrier was gone. Wow. And the entire feeling of that graveyard graveyard shifted. (laughs) It was night and day between when we arrived and by the time we left. That's good. Good work guys. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now I, this whole thing, like, I feel like those birds were like, please come help me. These fucking white people are loud. <laughs> These dead white yeah. people are so fucking loud. And and please make them stop. And you did. Mm. You guys went and you calmed that. Now, uh, <laughs> the Ajarns, like, or monks gather, like, in the graveyard to do this and then they offer merit to their fry guys so or you or it gives them merit they don't monks don't have fry guys but i'm saying you guys remember to offer that merit to your fry guys (laughs) oh hell yeah um because that's huge merit um and see that's god isn't it brilliant like these these amulets if they help you then you have to go do a good thing for someone else to help them in return. So like everyone's always winning in this gift economy that it creates. And it like Mm. gets gets you to think more actively about like what you can do for others and where's their graveyard I can go elevate or where's there someone I can help with their groceries or like, it's just so fascinating to me how, how necromancy can be this, this tool and this, not a tool, but a, a, current that you can step into that actually brings more life like it it's yeah 
makes everything more enlivened to be that in touch with the dead in the right way. Yeah. And it makes it, you, you make life better for the living to in turn, make it better for the dead Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, it's a, that's a beautiful reciprocal aspect. Um, the other funny thing is like, after, after we say the prayers and we're kind of wandering around, um, oh, there was also a thing where like, we were at one of the, like the wrought iron fence, like we were standing next to it and then we would leave. And then like, it looked like someone was like stepping around on the grass. Dude, that was weird. Oh man. I can't believe I didn't remember that until you just said it. You know how grass will move after you've stepped off of it? Yeah, yeah. Spring back. It was doing that. And then Kurt was like, is that just because we just stood there? But then it just like kept doing it. And then we were staring at it and it kept doing it. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I got got nothing on that. I've never seen shit Uh, like that before. Dude. (laughs) I, I, I mean, I was like, are there bugs we're not seeing or something but it, it was it was literally like just like the little patch right in front of that gate was just like popping left and right it was really strange there's okay um, those those moments when you're staring at something and your mind is frantically going like slapping shit at it just throwing stuff at the wall <laughs> to see like does anything make sense right now does anything explain this properly and like but it's so much more intense it's like 10 times more intense when there's two of you doing it well but then also the funny thing is is like well i guess that's just the thing and then you just move on because like yeah what the hell else do you do oh you know the two also might be related to like one of you couldn't have done that maybe maybe it had to be both Mm. of you to do that together oh wow where two or more are gathered yeah the 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 power and the potency of what you did was was more than times it's way more than times two when there's two people oh yeah so there needed to be Mm. two like one wouldn't have been enough and the agreement the power of that agreement that that you were going to do what you did um the two might have been necessary that's whoa yeah (laughs) because i mean that sounded that sounds like a nasty fucking great like it sounds like there was a lot of bad things like a a lot of heaviness and in different kinds kind of layered is what i'm feeling when you talk well the one with the wrought iron fence around it was completely caved in and all the stones on top of it were broken and this is where the grass was moving yeah it was right in front of that wrought iron thing and Yeah. yeah it just it was yeah like i yeah. when we were going around doing our se- own separate oh. kind of thing i felt drawn there and just had to like kneel down next to it and could feel like kids coming up to me so i don't know oh i i need chills all over me i got goosebumps on my like feet right now and there was another weird detail um because on our drive down there um with you know one of the other things we talked about was that there's a there's a very famous graveyard in atlanta called uh oakland um oakland cemetery and it has this huge um 
Civil War section that's all the all the Confederate soldiers. Uh, and there used to be this like giant lion monument that they took down uh, for restoration, supposedly, but still hasn't come back yet, um, which is kind of fucked up. Like, I know they're Confederate soldiers, but they're also, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that's weird if that, if they they're poor young men that got sucked into the war machine. Chain, yeah. And like, uh, yeah, I just think that's really strange to not, if that, if they don't bring that effigy back. But what was funny is that, so at that great little graveyard, so the, the Civil War, there's the Civil War tombstone in the front. And then there's a tiny, on the wrought iron fence, there's a tiny medallion of a lion's face. And that's again, this twinning from the conversation we had earlier in the day to this little moment at this graveyard. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that was another strange little like synchronicity. Mm. Um, uh, and then um, as, as, as Tim was walking around, he, got, uh, he almost got impaled by a, a rusty nail. It went through my shoe, but not my foot. Which I was like, <laughs> uh, that's, that's your nail. That's yeah. totally for you. <laughs> it penetrated you, almost penetrated you. It, it damaged your, your clothing. That at that point, yeah, I think that's well, it felt like it was like here I am. Yeah. Yeah. If it would have like punctured me, I would have felt differently about it, maybe. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, <laughs> I don't believe in tetanus, but um <laughs> just like another reason to get a shot. But um, maybe <laughs> I, I would I, I would <laughs> I am not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice. <laughs> that's not medical advice. We don't do medical advice. I actually don't know if anything's I, like I don't even know if anything's true anymore. So yeah, right. <laughs> you you might you might be right. Like <laughs> so, I was I found a rock that was like perfect to pry this thing out of the. It was in the fence, like a fallen fence post from that picket fence that Kurt was describing. And so there was like a rock right next to it that was perfect to pry this or to hit it out. And so I do that. And then I'm like, oh, hey, Kurt, there's another one here for you. But I had already thrown the rock aside, just like down on the grass. And we, of course, couldn't pry it out with our hands. And we're like, oh, we need the rock. And the rock is fucking gone. Like, it's not that. <laughs> It's like fucking vanished. <laughs> like, oh, guess not for you, man. Sorry. But then uh, found a piece of a, a chip of brick right on the ground after I yeah. said that and was like, oh, this is for you. And you, you know what's weird? Is like, yeah, that was that looked like it's definitely looked like a piece of brick, but there was no brick anywhere around that fucking site. Huh. Oh yeah, interesting. Like that might have been the only piece of brick for like fucking miles. I don't know. That was really weird. I think it's interesting that they both gave you something incredibly martial. Like that, that both of the things were like very, very martial. Um, oh yeah. And coming from a graveyard, so that's like really potent protection stuff. Uh, you know, materia. Um, and yeah, just just like to like 
point out again that I like appreciate the uh, the judgment there of like <laughs> earlier saying like anyone who took a rock from this eagle spirit is going to have a bad fucking day. But after you've successfully and you have no doubt about that elevated the souls of this graveyard and have helped quiet those those spirits like and ease them and there's a different sort of relationship that's formed to where sometimes there's almost this insistence of in almost inherent in the universe of like if you did a thing you must also like receive a little something just as like because there's no handouts it's almost like a respect thing in some cases definitely not all the time everything's case by case but like yeah i think that's and 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 good call not forcing it right like you never want to force that kind of thing like if if a nail goes through your shoe that's that's entering your world but it didn't hurt Mm. you so it's not malicious so that after you just did a kind thing and you're a magician and a rusty fucking nail from a graveyard is a really valuable item to be honest like so yeah that i like that and then it's conversational right like you you, you know it, it seemed logical to you that the, the next one might be for kurt but but like it said otherwise and you listened and then there was another thing that was out of place but equally valuable as materia and of the same nature like that's really really interesting it almost was like i want to see if you're listening and mm. like that that was just like furthering the the depth and intimacy of that conversation just to see if you had that discernment or something it's interesting um, because it almost like you know i'm still pretty new to this whole thing i would say like oh, i was like maybe well i don't know that's i say that but who knows i'm kind of been doing something similar my whole life right just didn't know what i was doing but anyway like three years maybe of like formally um being into into magic and it's interesting because it almost it's like it takes the same sort of okay so when i first started getting into all this the signals and the signs and the communication was almost so strong that it felt like, am I schizophrenic? Mm. Right? But it's been being able to kind of like, it takes that same sort of skill and that same ability to notice, but I've now tempered it to the point where I can actually hear what's being said. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 there's always like the, the schizophrenia possibility for anyone oh, yeah. like who becomes a magician. This is like a little window of time and you get past it or something because <clears throat> when it's like it's real suddenly and then you're like, but wait, wait, every movie I've ever seen where someone's putting together communications from the ether and from synchronicities that happen to them the moral is in the end that they're fucking crazy and they just needed help and people like, (laughs) you know, and, and it it instills this terror in you that you are becoming the main character in one of those movies. Um, But like the best time of my life though, man. (laughs) Right. But like when you get, when you get the, 
when you get actual confirmations, um, you learn to trust yourself. You know, when, when you have a thing happen in journey or in vision or in ceremony or a spirit tells you something and then later it, it plays out in a way that is undeniably like this, okay. Like you learn to listen and you learn to have that discernment. And I think what might happen for people that become schizophrenic is like, like that just doesn't happen. I'm not saying why, right? It's just like that discernment doesn't lock into place. Um, but it's almost like those people maybe are called to be uh, some kind of mystic or magician. I mean, I think so. I mean, I just, yeah, we just don't have a framework for that. And so we just like, I say we, but we don't do this. Like they get locked in a room because there's no framework in our society for that. Well, if you're having these experiences and you don't have like a, an animus framework or chaos magic uh, ideas to work with, to be able to frame like, okay, so maybe this, maybe this, maybe this angel told me that I'm like, it's child. Mm. Yeah. And, and that can and easily like, turn inward and be like, I'm the only one that that's true about. Or that can that could make someone like that could make someone lose their fucking minds. Or you could hear it and just be like, "Silly angel." Anyway, I really would like you to bring more of this in my life. Uh, uh, you know, right? But it's, it's like the guy, the guy that has the, the delusions of like, "I'm Christ, I'm Christ," but he just needs to take one more step and realize that like, fucking everybody is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What, what it's it, the other funny thing is, is like, so, so, like that, that idea of like, oh, well, there's two nails, but this one is staying, and like the, the idea of listening, it's so, so much like, it's so much like a creative project and learning to improvise with the project and knowing, oh, well, this isn't working. So I need to stop and like change tax. And it's, and that's not an easy thing to do. It's, I think it's very easy to just like start to just press ahead and do what the fuck ever. Mm. Um, but I think that so much of it is about like, it's like you're saying, Rev, like it's a conversation. It's, it's a, there's a give and take there. And, and you and the spirits are co-creating that moment. And if you, if you don't listen, uh, you're going to like, it's probably going to backfire or something's going to go wrong. Mm. And it's, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny how that like those like doing creative work of any sort and magic, like how much they still, they overlap and intertwine and like knowing having experience with one helps inform the other. Um, <laughs> big time. Yeah. For me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. For, for my brand of magic and creativity, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mine too. That's very much in my experience as well. Uh, so we, we eventually do, we, we head out, we think, we think the spirits there, um, you know, we've, I think we've give, been given gifts as thanks in turn and we finally head out. Um, and, uh, Tim, Tim starts telling me like some of his backstory 
and his experience with with Odin, and then not but I don't know 10, 15 minutes of the conversation, he spots a googly eye on the <laughs> pathway, a single googly eye. <laughs> That's par for the course on that shit. <laughs> Says, oh, we the should man, also... says the man who's wearing an eye patch an right eye now. Patch. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say any more about that. <laughs> I no, we don't need the story. The story would demystify it. In this case, it's better. It's going to be a great story. story when I'm ready to tell it. <laughs> it's, it's obviously because you were learning the magic of women. <laughs> That's it. The women's magic. So we eventually make our way to the Rock Hawk site and we went the wrong way a couple times, even though, like, I'm holding, like, this time we are using GPS because we don't know where it is. And it's, dude, this thing is down the street from where I used to live. Like, well, you know, I say down the street, but like, in that area, it's so there's so much space that it might as well be down the street, maybe 20 minutes from it. But I don't know. I never knew about it. And this site is maintained by Georgia Power. And but we, we had kind of gone the wrong way and turned around and crossed over two rivers. Or crossed over a river twice. Right. Mm. <laughs> and finally find a good way to it get there and the sun is going down and so we have like we just made it like the place closes in 30 minutes and we're there at 8 30 and we're like oh shit we, we got time we're gonna be able to do this so we park and and it's the guy said it was a hike to it but it's really not it's like right there past the well, you can see it from the parking lot yeah and so we get there we and this one has a much different vibe yeah it's the other the first one was like much more present and forward and like direct this one feels like mysterious and elusive like you can tell that there's something there, but it's not, it's not coming up to meet you in the same way. Hmm. And, and physically it's also like more disheveled, like the rocks, you can see the form of the bird, but it's the rocks are more scattered and it there's feels also like bigger rocks. Yeah. They're much bigger and they're, and dark they're black too. Yeah. The, and um, they almost look like chunks of asphalt or so parts of them are so dark. And um, yeah, it's like what I kind of wondered, like, what makes you think this is who named this a hawk? Because. Yeah, I don't know. This could be any kind of night bird or black bird. Yeah, it's totally just an arbitrary name that they gave it. They used to call it the little eagle, just like whatever. And so, I kind of. Yeah, go ahead. Night night bird. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's literally a Nightbird and you, your Timothy Saylor's podcast is Nightbird Radio. Yeah. And you know what's funny, dude, is that I didn't even put that together until you said something about it <laughs> earlier. Like, it's just funny how these things work. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. We went and visited it. Or did I mention that? I can't remember. Anyway, you, you did. You did on the tower. Okay. Well, then I don't remember. Yeah. It. That's even weirder. You, I, you said hi, Nightbird, which was really funny. Um, Sorry, I keep interrupting. <laughs> Continue. No, no, no. no. It's, it's so, so the whole vibe of it is like the complete opposite of the first one. Like even the tower and fence that they constructed for it, like Tim was like, this looks like a prison. And it totally did. It, it looked like some sort of military installation or something. It's like, it was, I, it was just weird. Um, and George Power owns that shit. Yeah. Like, what do they know, man? <laughs> man, you've been reading Lavenda again. <laughs> I have. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so, so we get to the top of it. And we're, we're looking down at it. And um, it's still like, I don't know. I, you know, you can tell it's there, but it's not coming forward. It, it's just strange. And then Tim notices that there's, he points it out. There, there's like these, like, what looks like eroded ravines or something, like right next to it. And then he points at the, there's like a little display map and he points at it and they're marked out on the, on like the geological surveys or whatever, or the archeological surveys. And then he's like, do you think they, do you think they crawled underneath it? And it was like, and then it hit, it, it was like suddenly everything changed. And it was like, I think this one was for the dead. Mm-hmm. I think the, the first one was to bring you into the sky and to like elevate you and it was very solar this one was about the journey to the underworld and the dead and um and then bats started coming and flying over it like flying over it yeah just tons of bats and you guys got there at dusk dusk right? right yeah which is also the timing is uh a lot of that's i mean really special yeah, and the fact that we got, like, the way that we got there made it so that that was the timing. Like, yeah. events conspired to make that when we got there. Like, we weren't supposed to be there until when we did. Right, it wasn't planned to even, yeah. A it's wizard just... is never late. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So a really good quote. It sucks that, uh, yeah, I don't know if my wife, that would fly, but... <laughs> you could always try (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah that's uh when you when i looked at the pictures before i like as i was scrolling up in the channel because you 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 guys you know kurt wrote up a really nice uh report on this in our like discord uh chat and uh when i was scrolling up and i saw the pictures i like stopped on them before i even read it and I, I like looked at both of them. And when I looked at the Nightbird one, I was like, like, I got this feeling like it wants me to cover myself in ashes and lay down in the middle. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like that was I, like, 
cover yourself in ashes and like eat something poisonous and lay down in me. Right. And so that's okay. When, so this is kind of where I, where I'm at with, it's like, okay, I don't know that this is what happened. I just know what this thing wants me to do. Yeah. 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 You know? And actually you, the next day you texted me this little thing like what you what you got as what the ritual was. Oh, we should also mention that um, these two effigies, uh, their heads are turned towards each other, hmm. even though they're thirteen miles apart. And between them is like the most vortex style place. I've ever lived and that's not just me. I've talked to a lot of other people that say this place is a vortex because you just can't seem to ever leave it. And so I've, I'd moved away from there multiple times in the 12 years I lived there and I always find my way back and it's, it's very haunted. Um, there's a river that flows between them. There's a lot going on. And I'll say it, what I saw, I'll, I'll say it again. It's not that this is what happened. It's just what I saw. You know, like there's a difference, I think. And I, I can't say conclusively what happened because I don't know. Now, I can I probably have some idea, right? But is is this what will happen? Or is this what did happen? Or is this what it wants to happen and should be happening but isn't happening at this point? You know, but yeah, I kind of saw them. So, you know, we talked about wanting to lie on top of the first one. Rev, you said just looking at the picture of the second one made you want to lie in it. Yeah. Um, and so kind of what I saw was, and again, this is just, you know, a daydreaming man. Just, but I've been doing this, um, Using running as a way to enter into ecstatic journey. Nice. And so I've been doing a lot of, um, I've been doing a lot of ancestral work actually through that. Um, and just letting my ancestors kind of like show me what they need to show me. But on this day, it was the day after we did this. And I couldn't stop visualizing the eagle, right? Or the huh. whatever you want to call it. And so I was like, well, shit, I'll just go there. So I just kind of sat there and watched what I saw. And it was a specific day so that, and I don't know what day it was, but it was a specific day so that you could use the timing to know that you were doing it at the same time as the people, like that. It, the same thing was happening at both sites. And a set of twins... And one twin is at the solar site and one twin is at the lunar site. And at the same time, the ritual is done and then they go, one goes up, one goes down. Whoa. Two, right? Uh, uh, it gives me an ice cream headache. <laughs> And like I said, like 
Is that something that happened? I don't know, man. But like, do does it something that I want to happen based on interacting with the spirits of these places? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that's fascinating. Like that that sounds like some kind of I mean it's like it sounds mythically true even if it never happened there in actual. Yeah. But like yeah why would yeah it's just you know why wouldn't it have at some point this thing has been through multiple civilizations or multiple cultures and like different kinds of people i'm sure um so i'm sure lots of them made you know i'm sure it was made like slightly a different interaction each time um but yeah like, that's a good yeah, way of putting that the idea of like twins being holy or sacred or special is not uncommon. And uh, yeah, that's really interesting to think there's like some kind of the sun moon relational like thing with twins and, and that they have to be this shamanic. Uh, I mean, this, this book is writing itself either way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really yeah. I mean, it's it's like I couldn't I couldn't prove that the one is a is a thunderbird and the other one is potentially like a giant raven. I couldn't prove that to anybody, but that is the sense I got. I got the sense that the one was the thunderbird and the other one was I can say a raven, but it like one was giant and blue and one was giant and black. I want to Thank know. God I'm not in the proof business. I'm in the cryptic symbolism in my dreams business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the myth- mythopoesis and historiola business, bitch. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And speaking of Lavenda, there's the biggest, ins- like at one time, the biggest insane asylum in the country just down the street, too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, See, which 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 we drive to after after because because Tim's like, let me show you around this little town. Now hang um, on, that's again like yeah, the Lavender shit like putting let's put all the loud psychic chatter near this holy site. Ugh. <laughs> and this was another hilarious thing. So like this this giant mental institution is completely abandoned. So you can only see parts of it with, from the headlights of my car. And uh, I finally see where there's a, there's a parking lot. We pull into the parking lot. And in the parking lot, there's two chairs just sitting there. <laughs> like they're waiting for us. I really kind of wish we had sat in them. <laughs> I don't. But we were like, nah. <laughs> No, I, I I think like just looking at that picture made me want to run away from my phone. Yeah. Which I really appreciate that you took a fucking picture of the creepy chairs that were set up for you as a trap. <laughs> because it was clearly a trap. Uh, you had already done your good deed that day with the, the graveyard and like had this amazing experience and it was like like trying to tempt you with greed of like, do you want to have another, do you want to have another experience? Maybe, maybe you're so powerful that you can elevate this whole mental institution. Come on, try it. 
just sit right here and see what comes up. Like, that's what the feeling I got when I looked at those, that picture. I'm just like, get out of here, chairs. You are fucking assholes. <laughs> Dude, and, you know, Kurt was like, have you ever um, done any, like, urban exploration in there? And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> no, 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 I'm good, like, bro. I'm not, like, I'm, I'm over there with my black friends. Like, we're not going in this motherfucker, dude. Like, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like, y'all are crazy for wanting to go in that <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. Um, and, but I did have a, fr- and I didn't mention this to you, Kurt, but I had a friend that did go in there and, like, explore. And, like, there's a basement that's just, like, flooded. And he oh, waded through the water, and I'm like, "You're a fucking idiot," and had just uh, like terrible dreams ever since. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> oh, that's so gross. Like, I like to me the idea of getting like in a porta potty when it gets knocked over. Oh, I think to me, I don't know. I have to think about which one's worth that or getting mental institution ghost sludge <laughs> stuck to my spirit self, and like having to go like manage to to have the willpower and the cognizance to like make a spirit bath and remember prayers to get it off me afterwards like i that's a horrible thought i hate it yeah no thanks (laughs) that's like if ghostbusters were just a horror story ectoplasm (laughs) nobody has any fancy guns Oh, yeah, just that bubbling shit. Yeah, it's just everywhere. It would definitely be the flooded basement of that place, for sure. <laughs> it actually, um, yeah, that's kind of very, very Silent Hill vibes. Oh, yes. Very oh, much yes. so. Which is um, a, game, a game you should only play if you have, you know, some cleansing materials, probably. I've I've never played it. I've only watched YouTube videos of it, and it still scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it is, the only the only game that's ever it, actually scared me. Same. It's I don't know, um, man. Uh, Dead Space scared the fuck out of me, dude. I've never played it. I don't really play uh, horror games. Yeah, I, it's it's funny because I actually think um, they're the perfect medium for horror. Hmm. It's too perfect. Yeah, because because there's the there's that idea of like there's no barrier between you and the story. Like you're literally in it, and so yeah. when it's it, it, like it has a capacity to be frightening in a way that like nothing else does. Um, uh, because like two of the most you know intensely frightening pieces of media I've ever experience with video games one was silent hill and the other one was this other game called amnesia the dark descent which is just like uh in silent hill you can at least get like a gun or something and amnesia nothing so like when something <laughs> yeah, i own it and never played it okay yeah so so when you run across a monster you're just your only hope is to hide and hope it goes away <laughs> and and it is so fucking intense. I can't even begin to express how, how intense it is. I mean, that's, funny. That's, that's like the first hundred hours of Kenshi, but Kenshi isn't intense. <laughs> <laughs> Just running away because you're too weak. 
I'm more of a <laughs> Castlevania type guy. Really? Hmm. I love it. Oh man, you you need to play Blasphemous. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. I I miss video games. I haven't played them for so long because it fucks with my uh, my journeying so much. Yeah, and my dreams. I just have a really obsessive mind about that stuff. I get it. I yeah. think if I if I just have too much screen time, uh, it fucks up my it fucks up a lot of my magicy stuff. So like, I might. Like I'll I'll make a sacrifice and spend like <laughs> six hours playing video games one day, and then I'm okay. I recover in like the next that night. I don't sleep very well, and the next day I'm pretty much fine. And I'll do that maybe like once every two weeks or something. Uh, but that's like the most I can really handle. Maybe maybe once a week would be cool, but but I can't. And to me, playing for like an hour or two isn't ever worth it. Like I like to sit down with snacks oh, yeah. and like weed and be fucking immersed. Yeah, it, and it's funny in turn, like similar idea. I can't ever do games that are longer than like 20 hours at the most. Because oh. like I, you know, the, 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 the years of like Final Fantasy where something is like 60 hours or something to get to the end. It's like, that's a job. I can't fucking do that. And, and a third like, of I that can't... is grinding. <laughs> yeah, no fucking way. Um, yeah, that's that's also, if there's too much grind, it, it depends on the thing. Like, I probably wouldn't, I don't know if I'll ever play Kenshi again, but like, I, it's like a squad-based um, RPG, but there's no plot and you can you can build a base eventually but you start off so weak that you just get and you and you never really die you get knocked unconscious and you lose limbs or your limbs get hurt uh, and you just are comatose for like a while and then you wake up and you have to crawl somewhere and like heal and then eventually you gain enough levels and and skill at getting beaten that you are tough enough to start fighting and then getting better at, at hitting people um and uh, sometimes you get taken as a slave and then, but there's all these things that can happen where your, your storyline is just kind of like random. It's just whatever the fuck happens to you. Um, yeah. I do like stuff like that a lot. And it's really fun, but it is such a fucking grind. Like it's, I loved it because when I discovered it, we were living in Germany in an apartment and I felt like a caged animal cause it was cold and there was still COVID restrictions and like, I, it was just like this. I'm just going to be in this house playing video games to survive emotionally and mentally right now. And so for like a couple months, I just played Kenshi and it was amazing. Like, I really love <laughs> have such fond memories of that time. Um, but damn, you're right. Like, it's like, I can't invest that kind of time now. I'm like, I have like so many projects that, that are just always in the wings. And like, now that I'm home, I just want to fucking tear into everything all the time. And I'm like, you know, I don't even have a job right now, but I like, there aren't enough hours in the day to do all the stuff I want to do. Yeah. There's, there's also another factor to it, which I, I think might be, which I think a lot of like people who are really into video games may not, may, might not like this, but it's more like, my life is in a place where like I'm not running away from my life. 
so yeah, I don't totally. I do, I don't need a video game to supplant that. Right. Right. Like and that's what a lot of them are made towards. Made to, yeah, it's like your life is you know, you you dive into these worlds filled with magic and like and and fantasy and everything and then like at a certain point you're like, "Oh, that's real. I don't need a, to pretend." <laughs> yeah, and I'm just going to live that that yeah and and uh i can't tell you how much more uh delicious that makes life that brings us back like, to night riders because night like living night riders sounds to me way better than watching night riders one thousand percent and i'm glad that someone did that yeah you know? yes Yes. Yeah, honestly, it may have, may have just been like, let's make this movie 17 hours long because I don't ever want to stop filming it. Right. I bet it was an amazing film to, to make. And like you were saying earlier, I bet you like the difference between how they were living on the screen versus how they were living while they were making it. There was like no difference really at all. Yeah, and, they really um, seem to be inhabiting that. Yeah. And it, it am I wrong or is it the only movie that's basically about a Renaissance fair? <laughs> How is that? That's I I, I, I know you think it, there it should seems be... like it's gotta be a thing that's like uh it should have its own like, subgenre. Like a couple people from the office and a couple people from like Parks and Rec did before they all got more famous. Yeah. Like 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 right at the end of both series, they all did like a, a movie or two or like three. And the third was like shitty. <laughs> and they should have stopped, right? Uh, but it's yeah, they could have had like a renaissance, like um Oh, like uh what's it called fucking wet hot american summer style almost that's yeah that seems like that kind of thing well Which the funny thing is, is great yeah <laughs> i i knew i knew someone who used to like travel with renaissance fairs actually i've i've known more than one person um and it is total a total degenerate like debaucherous lifestyle well i i would hope that so. surprised yeah yeah you're you're actually a troubadour like come on yeah i would call myself i would be like the the proper term is carny like call me a fucking carny i would also method (laughs) act the whole time yeah yeah i would forget who i really was i would be in in this movie that is yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then i would convince a hundred people that this was reality (laughs) <laughs> and i would uh impersonate michael fassbender constantly <laughs> even though it's before he exists hey man retro causality <laughs> damn i know we got one of those one of those actresses pregnant who was it <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I hope that was the birth of Fast Better, that he was like conceived in the shadow of Excalibur 
<laughs> we got, I got to do some research on this now. Yeah, the timing. I mean, I I think he's a little older than 81, but I don't know. Maybe not. I, I'm going to go full Charlie Jiff about all this this wife swapping in Hollywood and these these illegitimate children floating around of other actors. I wonder if maybe they just hide who their real parents are so people don't think they like sometimes so they don't like think they got you know a free ride or something. Hmm. Nah, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, they definitely don't seem to give a shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> not that interesting either <laughs> you can't be that uh, well Kurt how long do you have did you have a thing doing soon uh, I'm helping my friend move at like 715 ish so I probably can't stay on too much longer cool I'll let you call it whenever you're ready i'll never be ready well this is this is my my motorcycle jousting troop is this podcast i don't ever want it to stop (laughs) there is a quote from the movie that was like we got word that there are some controlled substances in this van (laughs) what did he call the weed he had a name for the weed that was really Oh, derogatory. Yeah, I felt offended. It was weird. I was I was offended. It was hate speech. It was, yeah. And I yeah, and he never went back on that either. I was just like, like he's got all these principles and stuff, but he's like, no more weed. I'm gonna beat this cop's ass, but like and threaten him. But and and all these people get injured, and a lady gets hit in the face with a motorcycle, and he's like, "That part was good." None of that fucking weed. You keep that fucking weed out of here, man. <laughs> people people get violent on weed. <laughs> hold hold my mace. Uh, that was the most perfect piece of shit cop, too. That's sure. <laughs> He was good. I really enjoyed <laughs> just seeing him like get flung all over the fast food place. That was just... yeah. He got thrown on a pile of hamburgers, right? <laughs> yeah, and then he holds him down and like squeezes soft serve onto his head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it was like soft serve in the ear. That's oh. <laughs> and then the entire restaurant clapped at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was rewarding. Like. That guy must have been such a piece of shit. <laughs> for for that, like I met, just imagine, like he gave all of them a ticket for their tail light being out. Yeah. Or you know, he was he was like, we can solve this without going to the courthouse. You won't need a ticket. It did make me pine for a day when you can roll down the window in the back of the cop car. I don't know if that's ever been a thing, but he sure did it in this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be a fun I didn't even gag. realize that. It'd be a fun gag to like go replace all the real cop cars with ones that you fake 
and then like they just don't lock in the back but the cops don't notice until because you put all the right gear in them and everything so then then it's like only once they catch the murderer and it's like wild card psych <laughs> that's like a burgess <laughs> meredith joker uh plot that you just came up with <laughs> <laughs> sweet <laughs> Just an incredible, but only that Joker. Just that Joker, though. An incredibly <laughs> elaborate, nonsensical. <laughs> Wait, was he the Joker or was he the Penguin? Fuck, did I fuck up? Anyway, it doesn't matter. We know which one. You I mean. think he was the Penguin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck! Who was the Riddler? That was a that. Uh, who was that actor? I don't know, but he freaked me out. Wait, he was, was something about his, yeah. yeah. In the new one, in the old no, one. in the what? old uh, one, yeah. Oh, wait, the campy one. The uh, yeah, the Adam West from the sixties. Oh. Yeah. Oh okay. I was like Jim Carrey. <laughs> Pull him up. He's something else. I don't. No, yeah, not very many Batman movies. I like, huh? I mean, I like watching all the Heath Ledger parts of that movie, but I really don't care for all the other parts of that movie. Uh, I just want clips of all the Heath, just like 40 minutes of Heath. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's even that much of him, but Batman is like one of the most insane. Like that dude's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. and and he's so just is, a crazed oh. fascist. So are all the villains and all his allies. Yeah, they're, like they're all they're all crazy. It's great. Yeah. That's a, that's why I always like Batman, just because they're they're all just uh really really different. Yeah, they're all just kind of swirling down the toilet bowl together. They're neurodivergent. <laughs> Pro- probably right yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah i feel like that's that, a blanket right that's a blanket term or like an umbrella term for lots of things because I, I, I don't think they're crazy like most of them aren't crazy catwoman's not crazy she knows who the fuck she is she she's like i steal shit and i get back at men i think the joker knows who he is too yeah yeah i yeah. they're not they're not crazy they're they're uh i mean crazy so- like a fox sociopathic sure <laughs> Joker maybe may psychopathic, depending on the storyline or the the Batman run. Probably, uh, B- Batman is basically if uh, Ed Harris from this movie had a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait. So, and then the drove universe drove the fucking bat cycle into a <laughs> semi for no reason. <laughs> Now I'm thinking of a universe where this is a prequel to the Truman Show. Yeah. Ed Harris is always trying to preserve uh, microcosms. You've got this movie, Truman Show, Westworld. Yeah, that's really okay. I think I get He's what this demiurge. asshole's about. Yeah, we see through you, Ed. Ed Harris, we know you listen to the show, and we see through you. <laughs> Your crimes will not go unpunished and unreported. They they probably will. But 
but you should but we still know. take yeah but we we know and now all 17 listeners know and all all the listeners that listen to tim's podcast probably yeah all my five youtube followers <laughs> oh shit this is gonna be on youtube we're probably gonna get taken down <laughs> I, w- I would i would so love if one of those people is actually ed harris that would be just amazing i haven't started season four of westworld yet but all i i'm pretty i'm, I'm hoping it's just gonna be like a whole army of old ed harris oh yeah i haven't either man i got a bunch of stuff that i'm behind on i just want to see like matrix style smiths but like it's an old dude and it doesn't look like he should be beating anyone's ass like just looks weird <laughs> a bunch of old Ed Harris's. it's just him being intense and throwing pizzas at people it's just <laughs> i really wish they'd work in that character to the to the new season of westworld so bad like that'd be amazing oh, I, I just yeah <laughs> His ass is hairless. <laughs> Did you notice that? Because I noticed that. It's like a, like a baby Adonis. But oddly, his shoulders were hairy. And you could only tell when it was rim lit by the sun. I think those were like vagrant merit badges. <laughs> It's like these like badges, these like uh like military, you know, ranks, but they just naturally grow from your from your power. At not at not every every year you don't pay taxes, you grow a little bit more. And maybe his ass is hairless because he rides so much. He rubbed off. <laughs> that's it, that's it. If you got a hairy ass, you're not a real rider. Because real riders, they they ride so much that that it rubs all their ass hair off like 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 50 year old men's calves you know they're just weirdly smooth it's like it's all <laughs> worn off from the friction of slacks i'm sorry you guys saved me no i, I like that i like that <laughs> yeah i don't know where i'm going i'll never save you <laughs> That's what friends fact, are for. In fact, let in fact let me drown with you. <laughs> Save me. It's like, bitch, no, pull me down. Okay, so I didn't even realize that that tomboy character was uh Tom Savini's gal. Oh, I mean, he's always real, banging and- someone else. Well, not just the they're in the libertines, uh, right? Well, that's kind of his thing, is he's got a giant yeah. cock. I think. Is is his revolver hand cannon thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, his yeah. mace is his mace is heavy. Well, <laughs> I just I just cock was like a metaphor for his, you know, it's like his ego. Mm-hmm. Well, so I was thinking of from Dust of Dawn where he had that weird like penis gun. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 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 Wasn't that in that gun made another appearance too? Didn't it? Wasn't it in um, 
You did. I don't remember what the El Mariachi. Mariachi. Maybe, yeah. Something. <laughs> Maybe it was once upon a time in Mexico. That's probably it was another one of his movies, I think. I'm pretty sure. I think Once Upon a Time in Mexico was the one with more gimmicks. Like that. I barely remember that movie. I know I've seen it, but I don't. See, I don't think I've seen it. So that's a point against the penis gun being there. Because I remember seeing the penis gun. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the movie where they like open up their like their instrument cases and there's all kind of weird weapons in them. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, this is. (laughs) I remember Johnny Depp having a really bad time once upon a time in Mexico, and I thought that was hilarious. I remember Johnny Depp having a really bad time like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know, oh. pirate's life for him. I'm glad. Man, but it's so weird because I I don't like pay attention to the news, but I just get it filtered through people that do. And it can be really yeah. weird. Right, well, like, like it's an almost, art project, it, <laughs> something like that, because it'll be like, it's like, what are the, this is, this is unkind, but like, what are the Borg doing today? Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, like, what statistics actually, am I going to hear? Uh, actually, I would, I would totally subscribe to a newspaper that was just you recounting the bullshit that you hear third hand <laughs> from other people. Yes. <laughs> and it's mostly like, yeah, because it's mostly like my grandma, poor woman, is just like getting like this propaganda like force fed to her through her tablet. It's really like some fucking um, Requiem for a Dream, Black Mirror type shit. But, you know. You got to laugh to keep from crying. Yeah. Ugh. I think I, I I really do think there should be, though, because, OK, and the way that things can be hilarious uh, and absurd, but also deeply sad and alarming and like awakening to a, a big problem <laughs> to make like a whole a whole like. Uh, like you could do podcasts where it's just um, the news, but through like boomers or grandparents that would <laughs> be the, really good so it's like it's like them telling you about the news or a transcript of them telling you about the news read by someone that sounds professional so it's like the most ridiculous takes and there's like some facts in it but it's and you can kind of get what it's talking about but it's just like so crazy and like how it distorts and it's like this game of telephone from from the ridiculous Dude, entertainment news telephone from <laughs> hell for real yeah. <laughs> And it always starts off with a, well, you know that guy from the thing? So he divorced. <laughs> I thought he got shot. It was both. No, shut shut up, sweetie, sweetie, I'm talking. <laughs> I'll let you talk to a son when I'm done talking to a son. Because really that it, it it really does present like some sort of like um, escape from New York 
type hellscape where just everyone is always being shot. Like <laughs> that's what it is, right? Like that's what that world is. <laughs> it, it is always so much worse. Right. Than- <laughs> Yeah, that would, that would be really fun. Like, just... Oh, it'd be so bad. <laughs> because, like, like they, you know, recounting things that are so biased from, from one channel and then having the opposite of it in the next story. Like, just having them side by side where, where like... But they're just so extreme that they both sound impossible. Um, yeah. I think that that would actually be really powerful because then you're, you're laughing at it and then you, you, you get done and you're like, oh. That's well, because it becomes like satire, right? Like that's the ticket in kind of. It's The laughter lowers your shield. And then it's horror. <laughs> right. And then there, then there would be a section that's just like really quick snippets that's just minion memes. It's just information <laughs> for minion memes. <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> it's like Big Bird telling you to, you know, get your heroin this fall. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll do it if I tell them. I don't know. I, that's not far off. Do you remember that? um, Okay, so there was a it was called Elsa Gate. And it was this thing where there were all these YouTube videos that were basically like designed to look like kid videos so that they would come up. If you just left it on the kids YouTube playlist, they would pop up in the algorithm. And this was, I remember hearing about this like three or so years ago. And it was like characters like Spider-Man and Elsa from Frozen. And they would be like, like stabbing their parents. But some of them, in some of them, they were getting like injections. Really, like, yeah, and I didn't even think about the pertinence of that until recently, right? Because it was happened before. But anyway, like, and so there was a lot of people like trying to figure out like, well, who was making these? And um, I don't know if anything ever came of it. And it's got buried because there's just so much. I never yeah. really heard from it since. But um, yeah, I I remember it being a thing. I remember there being that's a discussion some MK of ultra shit. Yeah, it's so strange. What? And it's also there's so many things that just like like bubble up into the news sphere and then just disappear. Like they're just paved over like 48 hours later or like a week later. Um, Because I remember I remember when we met up and I was like, did you hear about the whole like goat heads on the Chattanooga or whatever fucking thing? And you're like, no, (laughs) no, I didn't hear about it. And I would have loved that because the Chattahoochee is like or the Chattahoochee. Yeah. Praise be to the great river. Um, <laughs> my river spot <clears throat> that I sit at and I do like magic at, it's not the Chattahoochee River. It's like a a tributary, but anyway. And we the used Ch- to, um, we used to, when I was in high school, like um, 
me and the, my friends from church, when I was a good little Christian, we used to um, stand in the parking lot above it and it, like at night and tell ourselves stories about like Satanists doing magic down there and like chanting and stuff. And we even would sometimes hear the chanting, you know, and um, now I go down there and chant <laughs> to profane gods. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, was I hearing myself? Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. This came up with Ren, like about the whole like spirit guides being potentially sometimes yourself or like spirits yeah. that show up might be you revisiting yourself to like heal trauma like later in life <laughs> totally just really weird uh or sometimes you know when you were a kid and you felt a presence maybe that's you as a magician now going back to like you know project some good things at yourself and, and heal some some stuff because that's that's a technique i think probably all of us have used at one time or another yeah i, I also I, love I, that definitely you're, you're, you're you're like I will be the Lovecraft I want to see in the world. Yes. <laughs> That's another shirt, Kurt. Yes. <laughs> be the Cthulhu you want to be. Yeah. Be the nightmare terror you want to see in the world. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, um, we have to go to a commercial break from our pharmaceutical sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Have you seen, like, um, so I've also had the dubious distinction of being able to, like, watch cable TV. And I say being able to, as in, like, I just kind of can't avoid it because yeah, yeah. I'm living with family. Yeah, that happened. Same, same. Right. When I was down there with my mom. Yeah, constant. And, well, and, like, I like to watch baseball. So, like, I just, it's there. Right. Um, dude, these pharmaceutical ads. The names of them are like barbarous words. Yeah. <laughs> Blemthringta. You know what I mean? Like, if you are allergic to Blemfrashtifor, then you must take Blemfrashtifor. Naltramadir. <laughs> Balthamazor. It is, man. Nalthabroxone. May cause right? loss of soil. Oh, man. It's like, these will, like, this will make you shit out fingernails. <laughs> and give birth to a baby walrus and it's treating like mild eczema or something <laughs> or like it's treating a side effect of your eczema medication they're not even directly treating things anymore <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all to like it's fucking crazy and i'm like sitting here like Am I in a fucking madhouse? Like, do y'all see this? And they're like, well, do you okay. have the inexplicable? Do you have the inexplicable and sudden urge to play bagpipes in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> Ask your doctor <laughs> about Xanax. <laughs> God, the dog's on Xanax, man. Like, I'm not kidding. What? Yeah. But uh, if it weren't if it weren't your family, I would have something really funny to say. No, you can say it. I don't care. I'm not just gonna tell them that this is. Oh, it wouldn't thing. actually be funny. I was gonna say something <laughs> really violent. 
like it's like it's like really when, when dark, people drug man. their dogs it's like when when people when people uh like it's it's already domestic well they they drugged me too like when i was like in first grade so yeah what, what? i mean it's just what we do it's just our culture wait did you have to go on um what the ridlin or whatever yeah i was on ridlin and then adderall and then i just when i got older i graduated to meth yeah meth. <laughs> i was See, like oh family. this is like the best version of that <laughs> my family didn't give me ritalin and uh yeah <laughs> we all know where i went so well you know yeah it doesn't always happen that way but it's just it's interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i guess i guess maybe it's it probably would have been the same way for me either way i think Yeah, I think I think I lucked lucked up into missing that whole let's medicate everyone, every kid. Well, I think I lucked up too because it. I actually probably wouldn't have, or I don't know. I can't say, but there's a lot that's been going on that I've been able to see because of that experience that I wouldn't have necessarily maybe noticed. You know what I mean? Like. Well, I don't trust these companies, so that's been really good for me lately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't trust almost anybody. <laughs> so like at this point, no. Yeah. Right. Like if you and I don't just mean companies, I mean like I have a hard time with trust in general. So when you when you put uh when you when you make it something this this faceless entity that in you know and on record like no matter which one of them you pick on record they're like enormous criminals and for crimes against humanity not just you know it's uh there's no possible way you can ever convince me to trust something like that like it's in, to me that that is a qualifier for insanity <laughs> Yeah, and like if I'd, you can't prove to me that that like what's happening is good for me, uh, if there's any doubt in that, then like just no. Um, I, I was I was an addict already, and I would <coughs> buy shit from people that was sketchy sometimes, and probably put some shit in my body that was not drugs at all, and probably really horrible for me at times. Yeah. In fact, I know for sure that I did. And like, but that part of my life is over and you're not going to make me go back. Right. To putting things in me that's bad for me, on, you know, willfully. That's not going to happen anymore. Or things that I'm are questionable even. I just, I, it's, that game's over. Yeah. And so much, my bad. me and Kurt, had this conversation driving back after we visited those sites and um one of the things we talked about was like so i went through this period semi-recent i mean i can't you know like maybe it's within the last two years maybe like a year and some change ago maybe less i don't know time is weird um but where i got to the point where like i didn't believe anything dude like nothing was real because so much of what I was being told 
I didn't believe and didn't trust that I just took that to the farthest extent I could. And it's not like a place that I would recommend like staying in. And I see, I think a lot of people have stayed put there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, an important place for me to go. But like, yeah, so I didn't, didn't believe anything. Like, I mean, I was like, you know, maybe the earth is fucking flat. Just because they fucking want me to think it's round. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing, which is a reaction. But that place of reaction, it was interesting. And I think that's kind of a, I don't know. It was like some kind of almost like a door that I didn't have to stay in. It was for walking through, you know? Through, yeah, yeah. And I I think there is some value in going there, but I don't think there's much value in staying there. Right yeah Hmm. um because i mean it just you just you become i think that just leads to becoming completely unmoored from anything and you're you're just like lost adrift but being Uh, adrift at some point is nice because then i can moor myself to whatever it is yes yeah you choose like i have a chance to yeah to choose now i kind of feel like i through just the natural uh, unfolding of who I am in the world and how I have to be in the world this time around, like what I have to work with, what I came here with. I I feel like I was almost strong-armed into that position by my own sort of unfolding um, that like I have to exist in a place where almost nothing is for sure. Um, Direct experience I can trust. I can trust certain things, but there's, there's also like this, like we've talked about before on the show, like uh, how there's that gradient to truth. Like it's okay to, to have some things that are like tried and true that are rocks beneath your feet. And you know that, but most other things are in the gray area between that rock and total falsehood. Almost everything's in the gray area of, you're trusting someone's opinion. You're trusting like the common, uh, like basically a vote, like the common consensus, uh, this democratic sort of, sort of view of reality, but, but people make concessions to fit into whatever that group is. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of huge amount of gray area there, but, but it's, there's something to me that, that has always felt, and I don't apply this to others, but for myself, I feel like there's like a, a splinter in me, like there's this dishonesty, unless I'm always at least passively aware, like partly cognizant of the fact that most of it's gray area. Um, there are very few rocks. And, and with that, it's cool to like extend some rock outward as an exercise you can have a little solidity as a treat, but like knowing that you're basically doing that to interact with others and to have an agreed upon world and to function and that like it could pull back at any second and have to like reform because new information could come to light, man. I like that. Yeah, and just like I like that as kind of just like a 
like a baseline attitude, like my head's on a swivel. I'm flowing like water, like. Mm. Yeah, I, that's that's good. Yeah, I like the water flowing. Anything for that? Get that Bruce Lee shit going on. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely getting a six pack from dodging psyops. <laughs> my my brain's got six pack. <laughs> so many wrinkles, bro. Bitch, I've been reading. I'll beat you up. <laughs> Six pack of four loco. <laughs> a six pack of four loco is just a four pack. Not for me, man. It's six. <laughs> they make them special. <laughs> I love the outrageous lies that you get from people in small towns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That. It's like the like, lies that it's like schoolyard lies. Yeah, exactly. Like it's my dad's well, an astronaut. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my uncle gets his LSD from the government. <laughs> <laughs> the government. Like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, well, then I'm not fucking buying from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's almost. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go, guys. That makes about sense. that time. Yeah, it feels right anyway. I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, man. What time is it for you right now? Oh, it's actually not that bad. It's um, oh, it's one. Okay. Oh yeah, that's. I find that to be late. It's it's time for a snack, and then I'll, yeah, probably hang out with my. My talismans for a few minutes. And oh okay. man, I'm jealous. <laughs> you you got oh, yours, yeah. right? Did you? Oh it no, it's uh, a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Right on. That's yeah, cool. but it's interesting because I can almost already feel it. If that makes any sense, it yeah, it I does. It it does. Like it's on the way. Yeah, it's 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 really surprising how. Uh, just how synchronistic it all feels like they like the, even the, the gift he sent like it feels like they they spoke up and like told him to to put them in the box out of whatever he had available or something because they they feel like they very much wanted to be there so strange well thanks for I mean, having told- me on it's been great yeah yeah sorry i'll just keep going if you guys don't make <laughs> all right i love you guys love y'all love you love you too <laughs> thanks thanks for listening listeners yeah thanks everybody and thanks so much guys for sharing the story that was truly a special episode and thank share. you ed harris thank you thank ed you ed harris, ed harris. Also yeah. thank you michael fassbender i love you <laughs> Bye. talk soon <laughs> it was actually sam arkoff we pitched it to sam arkoff 
And he said, eh, I'll tell you what, put the, put the guys on motorcycles and maybe I'm interested. In typical Sam Arkoff style. And I, I just, I fumed over that, you know, for months. And then finally, I had the script, basically. And I finally came around to saying, you know, maybe that's not so crazy. And it would modernize it and bring it up to date. And it, so I, I decided to go with it. And I, all I basically did was rewrite the, the script.